Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, and Brian is gone. He is driving cross country, and this might be the second episode that he's missed out of like 200 or something. And naturally, I have a special guest star, but no one can replace Brian. I'm sure you're going to do your best, Cedric. I'm going to do the best I can. Uh, So what actually happened is I kicked Brian out of Seattle. That's what I've been doing recently. People come here and I just kick them out because uh, I talk mm-hmm. up how great it is here and everybody comes and I don't see anybody and I kick them out. So, Brian, you're out of here. You got me like a year ago. That's right. You got the boot. Uh, Brad Nelson's getting the boot. Um, majors. Majors, yeah, majors gone. He got the boot. I, and you know what? Majors, who's probably listening to this, like the second day he moved here, I hung out with him. That was the only time. Well, actually, no, I hung out with actually I hung out with majors quite a bit for how much I actually hang out with people in Seattle. I think I hung out with majors in person like five or six times, most of it NBA jam related. So mm. yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's a lot for me because you know, I don't ever see anyone when I'm here by design. So, but anyway, majors got the boot. Um, so people come and then people just, they get the foot. So Brian's just a, another a long list there, GT. Well, I hope he, he makes it back to New York. Okay. You know, I don't know. I don't know how hard your boot is necessarily. It's not too bad. I mean, I give them just. I, I shove them to like Spokane, and then it's up to them, like you know where they want to go. And really, <laughs> Dude, that, you don't drop away. anyone in Spokane, man. What are you doing? I've never been. I've oh, lived God. here for uh, ten years. I've never been. I, I mean, it's like four hours. It's not close. Yeah, but like I, I went to a PTQ there once with Josh Ravitz. That's a nice. That's a nice pairing of a PTQ. Yeah, you guys just yeah. drove there. Yeah. Yeah, it was dope. All right. I've never, so I've never done like the Eastern Washington drive at all. So I've gone as far as like, I've gone a little bit through the pass for you local Washington folks to Cleelum. I've never gone, I've not gone past that at all. So I just have no frame of reference of like what the drive across Eastern Washington is like or lack thereof, what Spokane's like. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was definitely two years ago because it wasn't last year because last year just doesn't count for anything. 2019, a mutual friend of ours, Christian Keith, he flew up here. Uh, to hang out with me for a couple days and we did a ptq in tacoma yeah which you were at yeah yeah because like you you showed up and got i think like Gottlieb was there and like cvm was there a bunch of people were there right i think you were just there hanging out i don't remember this but okay, maybe like maybe you weren't there but Gottlieb definitely was there and so was cvm a bunch of people uh ck uh christian top aided and like lost in the top eight and i'm like yo do you want to do this bookend ptq yesterday or tomorrow and he's just like yeah for sure and then we got home and he's like definitely not yeah Definitely not. And, and it's just like, yeah, we're like mid thirties now. We don't just do this. We just don't just hop in the car after the PTQ and go to the next PTQ anymore. That, that shit's done. Yeah. I mean, there was a good period, uh, you know, maybe when you just turned 30 where you're just like, yeah, I can do this. And then you get in the car and you're just like an hour into the drive and you're just like, Oh God, why am I doing this? But now I would like to think that we have the good sense to just say no. Yeah. Now it's just, it doesn't even really cross our mind. Like I have these, I have this issue where I feel like I can do everything, um, which is not true. And I'm, I'm still trying to reconcile that because I'm just like, I can just stay awake and I can just do anything because um, I'm really good at multitasking. But the reality of the situation is that I can't do everything because then I'll just burn out like mega hard on the sixth or seventh day of the week. So it's like, why don't you just, you got to start saying no to some stuff. So I remember right now what I'm remembering is a PTQ journey that you and I took. I was thinking that you were going to say I shouldn't have agreed to do this podcast. No, That's definitely not. This was a great idea. <laughs> I mean, I could be watching a basketball game right now, and perhaps one of them is on my third monitor. I'm not going to answer that question. Not that yep. you asked. Yep. But 
Devin, o- Devin O'Donnell just killing people at Zoo. It's not on, Jerry. It's not. Uh-huh. On. Um, uh-huh. I'm remembering a PTQ that you and I drove to. I don't know if you remember this, by the way, but you might. You might. I'm going to bring up some names here that I think are totally fine to bring up on the podcast. And if they're not, I don't know what to do about that. Um, <laughs> it's too late. But Nothing anyway, we can do. Yeah. So you and I, and there definitely had to be somebody else in the car from Indy, but we drove excuse me let me get that correct you drove yeah it wasn't you i know you weren't driving (laughs) you drove i think the third may have been steve simon by the way nice Um, you drove me and steve we'll say from indy to st louis for a ptq Mm -hmm. and like we played saturday whatever um don't know who top eight don't know who did well blah 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 and then after that ptq was over we drove from st louis to somewhere in nebraska i believe are you sure sure it wasn't kansas city i think it may have been kansas city because it was the ptq that skinner lost in the finals yeah you remember this yep oh dude yes (laughs) how many people do you think listening to this podcast know who skinner is uh very very (laughs) few if, if any um can you can you remember any of his Magic Online screen names? Because that that's like how he's infamous. Okay, right? so but, I don't remember any of them. I would default to you because you're way better at that than I am. It, it was it was uh, the word the the word sick all caps like X six. That was one of his screen names, and he played like I don't know Legacy before it was Legacy. There remember there was like fake Legacy on Magic Online before like all the cards were out or whatever, and like Necro was legal and. Ooh, I, I, I don't remember this at all he he loved that format he loved like playing those bullshit formats anyway just uh i i think like good person but definitely just goes about interacting with humans in the wrong way yeah i mean we loved that when we were younger we thought uh, that was kind of dope so i re- i remember this this ptq or these ptqs because this i bought my car yep to go to these ptqs because I don't remember the exact circumstances, but I, I asked Crum, who was my roommate at the time, like if I could use his car, he said yes. And then for like Gabe was mad at me for some reason. So he convinced Crum to not let me take his car. So then I just, I just had to buy a car if I wanted to go play this BTQ. This was, which, okay, and if memory serves, I'm going to really dial this up here. Oldsmobile Aurora? Is that uh, right? Intrigue. Oldsmobile intrigue, intrigue. Intrigue, okay. Yeah. It's blue, I think. No, it was, it was black. It was but, black? Uh, it was also a lemon. I got lemoned real hard. I do remember that. Had some it, problems. Yeah, car car just literally could not go above 70. Yeah, that's which, why the drive home took so long. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which is like, not that bad. It just means I'm probably not getting a speeding ticket, right? But it's also like, well, there's clearly a problem where it, like, doesn't upshift correctly. <laughs> uh, also... Steve Simon, God bless him, uh, contacted me kind of out of the blue on on Discord and like didn't say who he was, you know, so his his screen name is just like letters and numbers or whatever. And I just get this DM from random person and he sends me like a very familiar message or whatever, where he's just like, clearly we're friends. Like you should you should know who this is coming from. It's like, dude, I haven't talked to you in like 10 years. You know, like, how am I supposed to know this is you? But uh, 10 years is a uh, long time. He uh. He liked he liked the Oakleys that I had this, this pair of sunglasses. Okay. So, so we're like going into this PTQ, and I'm like taking my glasses off, right? Because I'm I'm done driving. I don't need these sunglasses anymore. He's like, Yo, can I wear these? And I'm like, Dude, knock yourself out. Whatever. So he just rolls into the PTQ wearing my Oakleys, and then like it, it we didn't even get to round one pairings, and he had already left them on the table, and they were gone. <laughs> 
Uh, so this this is what I remember from the PTQ. And then it's like, yeah, Skinner doing the thing where like his opponent is a true believer. He casts Gifts Ungiven uh, despite his opponent having X-proof and like winks at his friend on the rail. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's a good, are, are those the good old days? Is that what we're going to call that? It's it's something. Oh, I also met Dan Burdick at this PTQ. Okay, okay. And and then Dan Burdick hated me for like a decade also. So is this just what this podcast is going to be? I don't even think that the viewers, excuse me, listeners, pardon me. I don't even know the listeners know what they're in store for. Do you just want to let them know? Like what's, I, I don't even know what our plan is, which is my favorite part of this. Uh, so I... I was going to start the podcast actually by letting you plug some stuff, but we kind of just got, we kind of got past that. We got past that. Uh, So I've been listening to your podcast with a very silly title called the Resleavables. And it is you and Patrick Sullivan going back through magic old sets. And I could not really care less about, you know, whether or not Patrick knows the text on Dross Golem or, you know, like, how well you like the set champions of Kapagawa. I really don't care. No, but, that's the trick. No one cares. <laughs> but it's great because the first hour or so is just like you guys telling stories uh, from like a time when I was around, you know? So it's like those those stories resonate with me and there's the occasional time where I want to chime in and just, you know, tell my side of the story or like correct a thing that you may have gotten slightly wrong or whatever. But it's like, that appeals to me for sure, and I don't know why anyone else would listen to it if they weren't playing Magic in like 2004. But, uh, yeah, I kind of want to do something similar here, you know, because you and I have a lot of shared history, certainly, and I don't know, now we're getting like super deep into the weeds with like Dan Skinner and Steve Simon and just like these people that no one has ever heard of, but maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, so this is the thing I've learned from doing this podcast. So originally this idea, the original version of this podcast is done by Bill Simmons and his team at The Ringer called The, the, the Rewatchables, in which they go over old movies um, that, you know, you might be watching, like you might be watching movie channels or just, you know, browsing, it comes on or whatever. And, you know, beloved, maybe yes, maybe no, whatever, right? That's what that's what this podcast, The Receivables, is, is conceptualized off of. Um, the thing that I realized once we got like five or six episodes into this is that story time is the best part of the podcast. Yeah, it's not close. Going over the sets and stuff is fun. And Patrick's game designer brain is fun to mess with and like and like get information from about how he views things. I think that's a fun and creative way to learn because there are a non-zero number of people out there who want to be game designers or understand why things are the way they are. And like why Watsy might be okay taking a big bet on on one type of card and not willing to take a big bet on a different type of card in the design process or the development process, whatever. I enjoy that stuff. I enjoy doing the award show and hearing from Patrick and then occasionally testing him to see if he knows cards from way back when, which I know for sure he's not going to know. So I try not to embarrass him too much, but I do find he's, it to be humorous. He's pretty good at it. Uh, a lot of that stuff, like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm five for five, obviously. Like, I know all these cards, right? And so, so I actually, I think I do pretty good on it. It would be fun to actually yeah. do it with you. Um, oh, yeah. Because, like, we have these weird brains where I think we just kind of remember every card. Yeah, Like, the last episode... We were like, I, for whatever reason, we were doing like the, the Betrayers of Kamigawa one. Just, I just had Skullmane Baku just right there. Why? I don't know. You know, it's just like, I didn't even play that card that much, but I even had like the artwork in my brain as we were going over the Baku cycle. And it's just like, I don't know why I know this stuff, but it's just implanted in my brain for the rest of my entire life. Um, yes. Some of that stuff I've, I've forgotten for sure. Like, so for example, this PTQ that you're talking about, I knew that it was me and I knew that it was Steve because... Steve lost my glasses, so I remember that. But <laughs> I, I did not remember that you were there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. I played Heartbeat, did bad both tournaments. I think Shield won one of the tournaments. Brandon Shield, that is. Uh, well, Skinner scooped him in the finals of that. that there you go. That right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what happened. So, um, but I, I mentioned all of this because one thing that I've kind of realized over the course of doing uh, the the, uh, the receivables is that story time is the best part, even for people who don't know the stories because they just like to hear people talk about things for people they enjoy listening to. Yeah. They like to just hear them talk about stuff. Magic Absolutely. is a commonality. Um, so they're happy to hear about that. And then people care about the history of the game in some respects. So even though they might not know the characters of the stories that we're telling, like Dan Skinner, like Brandon Shield, like Steve Simon, um, they just like they, they like to hear people just kind of talk about stuff who they hear, who they enjoy listening to talk about stuff, which is also a thing for me when I'm listening to the podcast that I listen to. Uh, and then we're also in this weird world right now where like competitive magic is in this very strange spot where like people who enjoy competitive magic, which is a lot of your audience, a lot of my audience can't like go play. So they just kind of want to hear about the thing that they enjoyed doing previously that they're looking forward to doing again. So it allows you to kind of talk about that stuff as well in a meaningful way. So kind of have hit like uh, some purposefully, some accidentally have kind of hit like a niche that people are really enjoying. And obviously Patrick and I are having a blast doing it Sunday evening. So good winner, winner. Awesome. Uh, what, what else do you want to plug? I guess since <laughs> we're at that part of the show shirts, somebody buy one, please coalesceapparel.shop. I, I was going to ask him a lot of just, I'm just going to do it anyway. You can just edit it out if you want to. Uh, coalesceapparel.shop is the website. Buy some shirts. Use use some of the promo codes that are out there. Get 10% off. Uh, maybe I'll sponsor this podcast one day. Jerry and I will have a conversation about that at some point. Who knows? Maybe I'll make you a shirt, Jerry. I'm, I'm still waiting on that Jerry t-shirt. How's that sound? We'll make you a shirt and you can, you can plug it to your people. No, I'm actually having a lot of fun doing all the shirt stuff that I'm doing. So that's been really enjoyable. Uh, other plugs, starcitygames.com, which I'm never heard of it. Online contact coordinator for it. I'm Jerry's boss. As you know, I'm very, very mean. <laughs> you can be as a boss. I you am, can be I am, just not to me. I am excruciating. <laughs> um, I'm only mean when your deck lists are less than 75 cards, Jerry. Hey, man, it happens, you know? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm getting old. The brain function's going. I, Dude, I swear to God, like, I, I quadruple count my deck list every single time. And then inevitably, like, I, I submit the article, I go to sleep, and I just assume that I'm going to wake up. And you're going to be like, this one is 58 cards or whatever. Sorry, 73. Like, God damn it. 73 yeah. again. Um See the thing. The thing that quadruple really, count them, dude. The I thing promise that's, you. Well, actually, so it's first of all, it's very easy to count the deck list. I have a method on my keyboard in which I count the deck list with the. You know how the numbers are on the side over here, like on the far right side. Yeah. Yeah, I just go. You know, obviously, I have Numlock on. And I just go down the deck list. And I can just hit each number in the plus sign without looking, and it takes me like four seconds to go through a deck list and be like, "Yep, seventy-three. Yep, seventy-five. Or you know, ninety, ninety-five if it's a Urian deck, right? So. Um, anytime someone screws it up, I'm just like, yo, it took me three seconds to check that. I wish you would have checked it, but nobody's perfect. Listen, so I, I do a lot of my writing on laptops, so I don't have like easy access to like number pad or whatever. All right. That, uh, that's a beat. That's, you know, it's, it's not a great excuse, right? Not really. And I, I would like to say that I pride myself on my ability to count to 60. However, <laughs> there's, there's. Also, a story that I may or may not get to that involves me not submitting a 60-card deck list. But, well, here's, the, here's the thing I'll say, too, because, like, I'm never, like, upset about it when someone doesn't submit the right number. Like, it's a, it's a minor annoyance because it's actually worse for the person because I have to message you and you have to go, like, damn it, and figure it out, what you missed or something. And so it's actually taking up more of your time than taking up of my time. 
But the thing that people don't realize is that when it's like less than 75 cards, when, it, when it's not 60 plus 15 or 80 plus 15, someone who's reading the article will send an email or ping me and be like, hey, this deck's missing two cards. And it's like, ah, how does someone always notices? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with dude, without fail. They like they're looking at the deck list, they're scrutinizing it and not giving a shit about what's in it. They just want to, you know, find a mistake somewhere. Yeah, or they just or they just like try to like click upload to arena or magic online. It's just like deck short. I'm like, yep, all right. So that's why I actually just catch it every time and I'm like, yeah, all right. Well, I don't want to have to deal with the random person who's consuming this content to be like, hey, this deck list is 72 cards. And yeah. So it, it is kind of is what it is. Anyway, I'm the online content coordinator of Star City Games. I'm in charge of all of the published articles, all of the podcasts, all of the video content, all of the news that's published on the website. Basically, anything that you would read and consume on the website, I'm in charge of, which is a lot of shit, but I enjoy it. I think this is my eighth year of doing it. Uh, so there's that. Uh, I'll be doing commentary of the Strixhaven Championship by the time you're listening to this. So uh, tune in or don't, but we prefer if you did. So there's that. Um, do I do anything else? I don't think I do anything else right now. I don't work at Ultimate Guard anymore. I don't do anything else. That's it right now. Lazy. That's enough. <laughs> I think you don't have enough. seven jobs anymore? I think, that's, I think that's enough. It is enough. It's more than enough, in fact. Yeah. Moonlight on the occasional podcast, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I do my own podcast very rarely because I just don't have much time. Uh, I, I, I stream occasionally, but really not, um, anything resembling regularity because why bother? Um, Ooh, good I segue. T- I tweet. I know you tweet. I tweet sometimes. What's the segue? Take it uh, away. It's your show. Segue is, uh, we are going to be loosely talking about modern horizons too. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I know that. You know, over the last few years, you've been like playing some arena and qualifying for stuff, you know, uh, playing some some magic online cubes. But like you never really dabbled super hard in modern for whatever reason. Does this set change the needle for you one way or the other? All right. So I'll be honest. After watching Doomwake, Devin O'Donnell play that zoo deck before before we started recording, not during before uh-huh. we started recording. How's he doing? Is it still going? It's close. It's close. Windows (laughs) closed. I'm a, that deck, that deck, it gave me a little something in my heart, in my chest. It looked really bad. From my perspective, it looked really bad. And I was like, I'm definitely not going to play this. Okay. So it looked misbuilt, but it felt like there was a little something there, you know, like just, just with some beatdowns, you know, like just two mana four fours and, and territorial Kavu and Scion of Draco and stuff like, you know, some good beatdowns. I love a good tribal flames. So that's nice. All well and good. The mono red hollow one deck that he was playing also looked kind of good with Asmore and some other stuff like conceptually, like they, they also misbuilt also, misbuilt. also misbuilt. Whatever. Yes. Also misbuilt, but I don't expect him to get it right, right away. He'll have it yeah. right in like four days. Yeah. But it's hard. Um, so like I like modern quite a bit, actually. I just never really had much of a reason to play it because, you know, by the time modern came around and where my competitive career was at, it was long gone. Yeah. You know, so you know, I dabbled in humans and and stuff and did well with did well enough with that. And I, I won a PTQ with Hogak because they were just giving out envelopes. If you mm. registered the deck, we can talk about I forgot, that. At some I point. forgot about that. Yeah, we can talk about that card and that tournament experience at some point. One of my I've got some fun stories from that. Um, 
I like modern a lot and I'm glad like I and I like these type of sets and you know the fact that they're injecting a ton of power into the set because here's the thing about modern I felt this way for a really long time people like to complain about modern and like its power level and everything that's not what they're complaining about people are upset when they don't get to do their thing that's all because when they're playing modern if they get to do their thing they're never going to complain like, if I get to kill you with Storm on turn three, they're not going to go, this is dumb, but I guess I'm going to do it. They're going to go, dude, this format in my deck is sweet. I played Electromancer and they died the next turn. It's when they get killed on turn three before they got to do their thing where they're like, this format's stupid. But you know what you're signing up for when you register in the format, or at least you should. You're not registering for these tournaments at random. You know that the format's degenerate and has been since literally day Perception. one of the format. So just embrace the nonsense because that's what the format has been for a decade and it's awesome that is uh one man's opinion okay well i think it's awesome no uh it is it has gotten much better the more answers that they printed for things because before it was like oh you play this matchup and you just feel completely helpless and now you know for example i think like jun versus tron is a pretty good example of a matchup that was like 90-10, and there wasn't really anything you could do. It was like, yeah, you board in some Formidator Mages or Blood Moons, or you still lose, right? Yeah. But now there there are enough things that you can actually do that, you know, Cleansing Wildfire and this new Break the Ice card and things of that nature where you get to interact on the, a turn that it actually matters instead of, you know, you have Fulminator Mage, but you're on the draw, so you just lose, right? Yeah. So, yeah. There, there are things like that where it's like, yo, if, if you're playing Jund and you really want to hammer them, you can. And I think that that aspect is cool where you, you actually have agency, even though the games themselves are kind of like two ships passing in the night. Right. I agree. I agree with that. I, I will say. So that now now there's nothing wrong with modern. I actually like modern. I think it's good. I think it's good. I mean, I, I'll say this during the Uro Omnath. Like, so. If we agree that the format is in a just a general broad strokes of the format is that it's nonsense insofar as is what's going on. And it's been nonsense for like the past 10 years, like comparing modern to standard, which is standard is in most instances fairer, And what's going on in modern is like supercharged and all this other stuff. Right. There are different types of nonsense that people enjoy. Now, the Uro Omnath, like that style of nonsense people have shown that they did not enjoy that. And so those cards are gone. I think that's for the better because that was, at least in my opinion, but I think a lot of other people's opinion, not particularly fun or that experience grew old very quickly. But when modern, um, you know, really kind of exploded in like 14, 15, 16, um, and we were doing a lot of it on the SCG tour, like it was all nonsense, but it was all nonsense that people enjoyed and the experience kept being fun. Your Death Shadows, your... um, you know, Drowsy Trons, uh, just a lot of stuff around that time. I can't think of everything. Heck, even people who complain about Splitter Twin, like I think enough people actually enjoyed that experience well enough because people just kept playing more and more modern tournaments. It wasn't like it was the only thing to do. So mm-hmm. on the whole, I think people enjoy modern. Uh, I think this injection into the format is going to be seen as a real positive. Uh, and I'm excited to talk about it because I think, uh, I don't think we have like a clear card to ban here. I don't think, and I'm not like pro ban or anything like that, but I, I think they did a better job of balancing this set than the first Modern Horizons, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's weird. Like there's definitely a lot of appealing cards, you know? So for, for me, making content every week and 
trying to build around the new stuff during preview season and all that. It's like there's like 60 solid cards where I'm like, yeah, I want to put this in decks. And that it's pretty impressive to have like that many cards, like that many shots and not have any of them just stand out being like, oh, like this is an absurd mana engine or this allows you to, you know, cheat mana costs or or whatever, right? Like all these cards are like pretty fair with a, a couple exceptions where it's like, well, maybe this is busted. Maybe it's not. We have to wait and see. But I, th- I think that this set is just really well done overall. Yeah, I mean, look, these cards are pushed and they should be pushed because they're being put into a format where nonsense is supposed to occur. Yeah, they have to be pushed. So they have sure. to be pushed cards. And, and the other thing, too, is just kind of, again, do people just want to play with Seasonids all day and Grizzly Bears? Like, they don't, right? Like, you want to play Limited, you want to play Limited, sure. But, like, for Constructed, people don't want to play with, like, 5-mana 3-3s and 2-mana 2-2s and stuff like that in, in 2021. So they're going to make some push cards and find the thing that you like that's pushed and play that thing and have fun. Uh, and your opponent's going to do the same thing, and that's the format that you're signing up for. Um, you know, like, Ragavan, really, really good example of that. I mean, push card, do I think it's out of bounds? No. I think it reads powerful. I think it is powerful. I don't think it's out of bounds and over the top. I think it's going to actually be, uh, in my opinion, pretty disappointing. Yeah, I don't know about disappointing. I, I think I started low on it and I'm kind of coming around, but at no point was I like, oh, this card is busted. You know, but I'm at the point now where I'm kind of seeing what other people are seeing and I do want to start putting it in decks, uh, at least more than I did on day one of previews or whatever. So that's good. But yeah, I mean, the Ragavan's a perfect example of a card that does something unique that, you know, we haven't had in Standard, we haven't had in Modern. It It is appealing. It does ask you to, like, build a bunch of different decks with it, which is awesome, but is probably not busted. And it's really hard to come up with designs like that. And I think that this set does a very good job of that. Yeah, I think, I, it, like, so I think Ragavan's a good example as far as this conversation. And we're going to see about these elemental incarnations. Right. There's all this conversation around grief. There's all this conversation around solitude, some conversation, some conversation, excuse me, around subtlety. I I don't think enough conversation around fury and endurance. I think those cards are better than they read initially. And when you're comparing them to the other ones and the order in which these were also previewed, the last two are going to be kind of the whatevers um, because they don't read as powerful. But, you know, we're going to find out like because those are that's the cycle of cards that I think stand out the most of like these cards are insane. Again, I'm not as high on them as other people are. I think they're all good, um, leaning towards great, but I don't think they cross the great or busted threshold. I think you have to do something to remove the drawback a little bit, or in, I don't know, in the case of like subtlety and solitude, like maybe it's just like this is an, an answer like where you need speed. Uh, it's like a matchup where you need speed rather than card advantage. You know, like if I'm playing against Burn and I have access to either one of those cards, like I'm snapping it off on your turn one Goblin Guide and I'm super happy about that, right? But in just like random matchup versus random matchup in Modern, you can't afford to be doing that. But like, I I don't think anyone is trying to put Grief in their deck necessarily as a fair card. It's like, well, you know, can we blink this on turn one or Malachi or Rebirth it or whatever? And like, that's when it starts looking really good. Uh, Endurance is a pretty good example of what I'm talking about too, where it's like, it's it's a sideboard card for the most part, you know? And that is exactly when you want that type of card is just like you're playing against Dredge and you just want like a zero mana nuke through graveyard thing, you know, like that. It being zero mana matters way more than you having an extra card. And I don't know, Solitude is weird because it's like, 
it's hard to figure out a matchup where that's actually going to be the case, right? Solitude, I think, is the best of the bunch. Um, I think that margin's wide, personally, of it being the best of the bunch, but I want to see it play before I announce that, like, you know, things are out of control and this card is out of bounds and stuff because, you know, that also means you have to play a lot of white cards. Right. Which, you know, that's the worst color in modern because it's the worst color in magic. A lot of good white cards in the set, though. That's true. That's true. Uh, and they've they've been... They've they've clearly and they've even announced as much that they're giving white a little bit of a little bit of an injection because it certainly needs it. Um, so is this like the first real injection into white? Um, no, because we've seen Skycliff Apparitions and a couple of other cards make white better. But maybe this is the first one that actually feels like, you know, white is truly back and maybe this one's out of bounds. I don't know. But to me, like of, of this particular cycle, and I think of like all the cards in the set, this is definitely the one where I go like, OK, I mean, this is a lot. Like Solitude is a lot where I don't feel that way around grief and a lot of the other cards here. I, I, a lot of the other cards in this set, again, much like you, I think, I feel like they're really, really, really good cards and they're pushed cards, but they're not out of bounds like Hogak and eh, you could argue Urza was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so like you, you talked about how people want to do their thing and you know like modern is just perpetually busted and it's probably going to stay that way most likely right and things like hogak and uro i think represent the different poles for where people are not comfortable you know like facing down uh turn two recurrable eight eight like that's not cool that that's a little too fast for what people want to be doing <laughs> just a little little too fast yeah and uro is just like God, why can't you just kill me? You know, like if they if they got Splinter Twinned on like turn five, they'd be way happier than just like I have to play this game until turn ten, even though I'm, I know I'm going to lose, right? And I think that this set is more so in the confines of like the the happy spot where it's like turn three to turn six, like you're playing some actual good magic. But the outlier there is like Grief Ephemerate, right? Well, like that was the one thing that people went to a lot, where it's like the game could just end on turn one, you know? It could. It, it 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 definitely could. Again, I'm I'm going to be curious to see how those deck lists do come together because could very easily get proven wrong here. You know, like there there's a very um there's a very Tabalt cosmic imposter feel to to that. Yeah, to grief. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you know another I, good example. Yeah, where it was just kind of like, okay, so is this Tabalt thing like actually that good? Because you have to really contort your deck. And I know you were on this pretty early, and some other people were too. It's just like, yeah, this is this is completely not okay. And if it turns out that grief plus ephemerate is not okay, okay, like that's an easy solve, you know, ice something, move on with life. But I also don't have a problem with them taking a bet on a card like that. You know, like I would rather have a card like grief slip through as opposed to a card like Ur or Omnath slip through. Yeah, for sure. And the thing about grief too is, again, you know, I'm building a bunch of decks with these cards, right? Obviously, I try to build around this card. It's It's hard because you're trying to get enough black cards in your deck that you can actually pitch to this thing on turn one. And then you want some backup effects for Ephemerate to not be absolute crap uh, when you don't have a grief. And Black doesn't have a lot of good ETB stuff. Yeah. So you're like, well, you know, maybe there's there's some white black stuff. And it's like, yeah, there's Tide Hollow Sculler, but like that card is pretty mopey. It's okay with Ephemerate, right? But you're you're looking at a deck that's like grief, some white black cards like Vanishing Verse, Vindicate, stuff like that that you can pitch. And then you're just doing like a closer to a mono white thing with like Skyclave Apparition and trying to blink that stuff. And it's it's tough to get that configuration right. 
like you're not going to have a deck that's like it's it very easy to evoke grief on turn one and also ephemerate it and also feel like you have a functional deck uh when you don't have grief so i don't know it's it's gonna feel really bad when it does happen for sure but i don't think that the like the tybalt cascade decks were just completely out of bounds because they had all the cards that they needed to make it work and i don't think the grief thing necessarily does yeah the tybalt the the tybalt thing you you had like you said you had everything you needed and you had to you also didn't have plenty of bad cards right yeah. you were just yeah exactly you were just you, you were good cards good mana good everything um and had this busted thing baked into your deck and people also had like really cool sideboard plans for when people brought in uh like ether sworn cannonists against you or whatever so yeah it was it was pretty absurd so I don't think we'll see that this time around. But again, my excitement for this set is very, very high. And just watching people play it a little bit over, over the course of today, um, it seems like people are excited about it, which is, which is good. You know, there's, there's some cool cards here. There's some good storytelling here. Um, I'm pretty high on it. You know, again, we don't have a Hogak here. We don't have a card where I can just take one of your decks blind and go win a PTQ, which I should not be able to do. But So that's, that's a good thing, I think. Yeah. I mean, remains to be seen, right? Like, I, I don't remember people being super high on hogak the the moment it got previewed no even, not at all even like week one of the scg stuff it, people were putting it in like normal dredge and, and stuff like that like it took a little bit and again like i don't think there's anything in this set that's like oh yeah this is a two mana eight eight or whatever it's like this is clearly going to be good and maybe we can break it it's just like all the cards still seem pretty reasonable i miss the big guy okay i do eh, cool i do good, good for you <laughs> i do it's so easy <laughs> so <laughs> what i was trying to get at is like do you think you're gonna be streaming any modern what would it take i don't know is there a 25th hour in the day yeah you got one uh, of those for me honestly i so this happens to me sometimes new set comes out get a little enthused about it i'm like yo i'm gonna start streaming again and then that like dies after like five hours it's I like get, christian keith going to the ptq yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you want to go spokane totally uh nah nah i'm good um the zoo deck was interesting. There's some aggressive decks that I'm interested in, in like dabbling in, because uh, they've obviously pushed some things towards aggression. And <clears throat> I do like the degeneracy of modern. So I could see myself, um, I, I could see myself, you know, sleeving up some territorial kabus and scion of Dracos and, you know, it's, just, just dabbling a little. It's really silly that that is what it takes to get you excited. This is like a bad Tarmogoy. If you're like, dude, all right, I'm in. Dude, here's the thing. So <laughs> I'm look, in. Look. Attack oh. trigger, do something that's worth like, you know, one-tenth of a card, I'm in. You bet your ass. Um, so when I was streaming, when I was streaming uh, the alt, alt Vintage Cube over the past couple of days, people come to the chat and they're like, yo, are you excited about Monterizens too? And I'm just like, no. And they're like, why not? There's just so many cool cards. I'm like, because I'm just desensitized to all of it. And I don't know, like, I wasn't trying to be like a jerk or being sarcastic because it's just true like it's it's funny though because you'll still cube which is kind of like what this set is trying to do to modern right is like make it a little bit more flashy a little bit more appealing yeah which is like why i'm enthused about this and like when strixhaven came through and like any normal base set Acoria or anything else just kind of like well Acoria is different because it was during the pandemic so like i just needed something to do but in, in a general sense it was just kind of like i don't know the cards are what the cards are and like i don't really get too up or too i don't get too high or too low about like this card's insane this card's not insane um, Dude, thank thank anyways. God for historic because uh, making content during Strixhaven preview week was tough. Try coordinating it. Yeah, <laughs> coming to all you guys and be like, "Hey, what do you want to write about?" And everyone's just like, uh, "Nothing, uh, nothing." Uh, do I have to write? I'm like, "Well, you don't have to do anything." 
but I'd like something for the website if you can figure something out. Dude, but, I wrote an article about Jadzi. I remember. I appreciate that. <laughs> I really do. And and, and, and uh, this this will be fun for all the uh, for all the people out there who are like, obviously you make them you make them write about cards so you can sell them. That's not what happens at all. Not even a little bit. Yeah, also, like, Jadzi is a pretty solid commander card. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure I don't have to write about that card to actually get people to buy it, you know? That's, that's what they do there. Said makes them write about stuff so they can sell them on the website. Ah, you guys write whatever you want about. You write whatever the heck you want to write about. I don't care. People, people must think that we are very talented at both, like, writing and grifting, you know? Because it's, like, it's not just like, oh, we, we shit out 2,000 words on Jadzi and now you want to buy it. It's like, well... I mean, I, I, that, that's kind of your problem, right? Like if you read a thing and you're just very easily convinced uh, by someone saying that's the best thing ever. But like, we're, we're magic players first and like writers, I don't know, like 10th. Did you, you know, know what like, happens if someone submits me a bad article? Well, I wouldn't know. Well, you don't. Uh, it doesn't happen to you. Just write the, write the trash can. Good. Just, yeah. just light it on fire. You get nothing. Enjoy your week off. Which, no, I know, I know. So like, you'll you'll get rid of like actual trash. I don't I don't think it happens very often, right? Because like, why why would you employ those people? That's but, correct. That's but, correct. like you re you really think that I, I could write an article convincing you that a card is good and like make you spend you know fifty sixty bucks on a playset when I'm just completely full of shit? Like, there's no way in hell. I'm not I'm not that talented. I'm just not. Jerry, this week, um, you haven't picked your topic for this week, have you? I did. I, I submitted it. Oh, I edited it this morning. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, I'll sandbag that. Even though people, when they're listening to this, they'll know what it is, but it's fine. Next week, I need 3,000 words on... Yeah, what card is not selling, Cedric? What, what card do you have in stock? 3,000 words on... Where is it? Where, Scion uh, of Draken. Nah, oh. Chatterfang. <laughs> Squirrel General. I don't even know that, that card We got to move those. Mythic rare, we got to move those. So That card's already $30. Yeah, got to move those. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so I guess you pri <laughs> you priced it at 30 but haven't moved any yet. Got it. Got to move those. So I need uh I'll put it on select. Everybody can read it. 2G33 legendary creature squirrel warrior forest walk. If one or more tokens would be created under your control, those tokens Plus that many one one green squirrel tokens are created instead. There you go. G sack X squirrel sorry. Nah B B sack. Oh well, it my it's super small on my screen. Yeah, yeah. We gotta move those. Oh, uh, also the the image quality is just garbage. <laughs> I don't know where you're looking at it, so. I just I clicked. I'm not even gonna say, but I clicked I know. the first Google link. Okay, yeah. I don't. I, we can't. We can't be just giving out giving away free uh free advertising for these websites. So. Uh. Yeah, man, I, I could do that. Maybe, maybe like, maybe like 2,500, maybe 2,500 nah, words. Non-negotiate. <laughs> 3,000 words. Wait, can I... Can, eight deck can lists. I, can I... Well, obviously deck lists, dude. Can I, can I spread it into two parts? <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to hook them for two weeks. I like that. Or Just in case a, they don't check on Tuesday, maybe, they check on Thursday. Maybe a know? little Monday-Friday split. Give them something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, so... Um, I know you have a list of cards you want to talk about from this set that have stories around them, but is there now that, we, now that we have the full list of the set, is there anything anything else you want to talk about with regards to this set, or is it just is it sort is it just sort of story time? I think it's story time. I I've been generally positive about this set throughout preview season. 
Uh, there are some stuff where I'm just like, eh, maybe, I don't know. But then you start building around it. And it's like, okay, this is tougher than I thought it was going to be. So I think most everything is is pretty in line and everything looks kind of cool. One thing I will note, though, is that for a very long time, Modern has been a format where, for the most part, people can just have one deck and, like, you know, update it as necessary or, like, tune it for certain metagames or whatever. And the more that they make sets like this that do have a lot of inherent power in them, the the less likely it is that you can show up to FNM with, like, your Tier 2, Tier 3 deck and, like, still be able to compete, which is 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 a bad thing, for sure. And, like, some of those decks get tools uh, from these sets, for sure. but. I really, I don't want the format to narrow in scope. You know what I mean? No, I think it's very important that modern stays extremely wide for a long period of time. So, you know, back in, back in the middle parts of the, I can't believe I'm saying this, the last decade, you could just play Affinity for like five years if you wanted to. Yeah. That was fine. And, that, and that's a really, really, really good and healthy place to be. I feel like they're trying to get back to that in some regards. You know, like they've made these upgrades to Zoo and, and uh, it looks like Reanimator and, and Affinity kind of to the point where it's like, yeah, you know, if you if you were to buy into Affinity now in 2021, ideally you're still able to play that archetype or Zoo uh, play that archetype until like 2026, and I think that's a good place to be for this particular format. Yes, I agree completely. So I, I just don't want them to get away from that. Uh, that that's like my only concern. I'm right there with you. Story time. All right. All right. So I know how we met, but the the thing that is interesting to me in I don't know, just like catching up with people or even like someone's name comes up in conversation or I think about like my relationship with Josh Joe, for example. It's like I, I usually remember when I met people, but I don't necessarily remember when I became friends with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm curious to hear your perspective on how we met. And the, the card that made me think of this is Blazing Rootwalla, which is dope as hell. Yep. I, I think it's basically just like a perfect design that, you know, calls back to the thing. It's color shifted appropriately. I think that its ability is uh, definitely an upgrade, but in line with like what's going on in modern and unlocks a bunch of doors potentially. So it's like, I love this card. And I know that we met around Blue Green Madness, but I want, I want to hear your side of that. And I also want to hear your perspective on like when we became friends. Okay, so I'll start with the I'll start with the latter really quick. I have no idea how we actually became friends. Right? I have I have no real rec- recollection. Um, so the story goes, and I'm gonna get this wrong, and this isn't me trying to like pull one over on you. I just know that at GP Pittsburgh, I think it was O two. Yeah, it was onslaught block team seal. Yeah, and I have no idea. I think I think you may have played with Ken Burrell and someone else. I did not. I played with the Ziggler twins. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm playing with two locals from Strongsville and I don't know. I think I was like trying to, trying to do some trading or something. And so I think we both had trade binders and we're like looking at each other's trade binders. And then something came up about like blue green madness versus wake and me being like blue green's favored and you being like wake is favored. And it's like, okay, you want to play? And it's like, sure, I'll play. And, you know, I thought I was obviously the shit. And I don't know if you thought you were the shit or not in, in like a cocky way. Cause like, obviously I was an arrogant prick still kind of same, am. same. Um, and so I was just like, yeah, obviously let's battle. And I, I pretty sure I just lost. I don't know if yeah. like, I don't know how many games we played or anything, but I know that you got the better of me uh, in our exchange. And 
that's like legitimately all I remember. I don't think there was anything where it's like, yo, dude, you're cool. You want to hang out sometime or anything? Like, I don't have any recollection of anything like that. And then I don't know if we've like, because I didn't play Magic Online very much then. I didn't right. really start Magic Online until like 2004 because I didn't get a computer in my parents' house until like 2002 after Grand Prix Cleveland. So I don't even know like what happened. It was like, was I seeing you at tournaments and being like, dude, I remember you, you're dope or something like that. Like I, here's what I remember Pittsburgh and that story, which you can tell your side of it. I think I remember running into you at GP Columbus where I top four. Um, We probably just talked to each other in passing because we were both in contention for top eight. Yeah. And then at some point, like I went to school at Purdue you were living in Indy, and so then we started hanging out then because you would come up to Purdue and get me and then bring me back to Gabe's place, and then we would just, like, watch Shaun of the Dead and go to Arby's and Steak and Shake and play Magic Online all weekend, and then you drive me back on Monday at, like, 5 yeah, a.m. So I, I agree with all that, and that's, like, my recollection to you, but at what point does it go from, like, oh, I recognize you and I say hi to you at tournaments to, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, like, you know, drive an hour each way to pick you up and we're, we're going to kick it for the weekend? I don't know. You know, it's so bizarre to me. Like, I know that I, so I moved there, uh, basically got like an invite from Mike Crum to work in Gabe's poker rooms, whatever. And I, I guess the only thing that really makes sense to me is that like you knew Gabe and or Crum or whoever. But I didn't. Yeah. Okay. So then nothing makes sense to me where it's just like, how, how did we start hanging out like more and more? So, you know, it's just, it's so weird. So my best guess would be is there's the off chance that we were in a Magic Online clan together, though I don't know any of the clans that I was in back then. Um, I don't think we were, dude. I don't think that we were like talking on Magic Online. See, I don't know if we were or we weren't. I really don't know. Um, there's there's AIM, of course, but I don't which, know when we started talking on AIM. I had your screen name on AIM and you had mine because I remember your screen name. And we would, and I don't remember like how I got it or, you know, maybe we, maybe we exchanged it and then we would talk occasionally about like decks and stuff like that. And then it was just like, Hey, you're good. And I'm kind of getting good or want to be good at this. And, you know, so now we're shooting the shit back and forth and both of us are doing well on magic online or something like, I don't know. And this is a, this is a thing that I find really interesting and fun about like, like developing a long-term friendship is like, I know the moment that I first met you, but I don't know anything that transpired into cool. We're hanging out every weekend in, 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 in Indianapolis. Yeah, man, it's wild. I have no clue. Yeah, I guess the the events that stand out to me are like Pittsburgh for sure when we meet, and then Columbus. Like I I know that I knew you, and was happy that you made top eight and everything, and then the pro pro tour San Diego, yeah. which you know, and you've talked about all of these on the receivables and and stuff like that, right? And I, at San Diego, I think that we were like very friendly by that point, and that that's not that much long after you know, each of those events. So it must have just been like, you know, we'd seen each other at PTQs or some things in between then. But that's also kind of weird because like I was in Minnesota and you were in Ohio at the time. It's not like we ran in the same circles or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously the internet's powerful. And so I just imagine there was just internet conversation taking place amongst you and me and other people who were just really into magic at that time. Um, Because I also remember you used to run like you, well, you had at least once, but probably multiple times, had built like forums. That's true. And so, you know, you would invite people to forums and stuff. And it's like, I mean, that's how I met Reed Duke 
is he was in one of your forums and I played against him in nationals one year. And I'm just like, and he's like, you know, I'm Reed, I'm this guy in the forum. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm sad. I'm this guy. He's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know? And then like I played him in nationals and that was, I mean, that was fun. That's how I actually met Reed in person. And I think maybe his name on the forum was probably reader rabbit, but I mean, maybe that's how it ended up developing more over the course of those two blackout years that we don't understand. Yeah, see, that's weird, too, because I don't remember Reed ever being in any of my forums. Uh, I do. I remember Reed being in one of your forums and not posting much. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like him. Yeah, man, it's it's wild. Uh, Like, my relationship with Joe is basically the same, where it's like, I know when I met him, and then I know at some point we started sharing hotel rooms, but I don't know how we got from, like, point A to point B. People ask me and Patrick that a lot. Just like, hey, like, how did you guys know you're going to work so well together? I'm like, I don't even remember my first show with Patrick. (laughs) <laughs> i don't and there wasn't something where we sat down and we were just like yo we kick ass at this we should like team up or anything didn't happen i couldn't tell you what happened like i think the first show i did with him was the like an invitational in los angeles that i think reed beat ben weinberg in the finals i think um i think that's the first show we did together then that was a me him and i think adam prozac show if memory serves and it's just kind of like i don't know you're cool we have a similar sense of humor. We both like basketball. I guess we might get along, but there wasn't some moment. And this is like the thing that you and I are talking about was when we were, was in 2002. So almost 20 years ago, the thing with Patrick was probably like 10 years ago or something. Yeah. And it's just like, nah, I don't remember. Yep. Who could, who could possibly know? Yeah, I don't know. And it's funny too, because like, as you're living those experiences, you don't realize how potentially life altering, like these relationships are going to be. You know, like, yeah, you're, you're saying like 20 years ago, right? It's like that, that's more than half our lives that we've known each other and been friends. Yeah. It's just kind of nuts. Uh, all over, all because of, uh, all because of wild mongrel versus compulsion. Yeah. So my, my recollection of that was, I know that I was like playing against, uh, someone playing mono black and I was playing wake and it's like, this is, this is way back in the day because. You know, I just wanted to battle people. I didn't care who they were, right? Uh, now, nowadays, I go to tournaments. I don't even play any games. Yep. So, you know, a little bit of difference between then and now. But I remember playing against someone playing mono black because, like, Zvi walked over and, like, made some stupid comment. And uh, then he walked away. And then I know that we played games against each other. I feel like maybe you've told the story this way or or something where like you walked up and you're like, Oh, you know, this dude's playing wake. I beat the shit out of wake all the time. And I think, I think you said at some point that like you challenged me and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't remember that. That sounds right. But now I have that in my head as canon. Okay. Um, but yeah. And then I know that like for Sunday, you were like looking for cards for a PTQ or something. I took your binder as collateral. <laughs> Do, do you remember this? No. Okay. This, this no. I remember. So you're like walking around, you're like, hey, do you have this, this, and this? And I'm like, yeah, I got I got everything, man. And then I'm just like, but I, I don't know you. I'm going to need collateral. And you're just like, yeah, look at my binder. And I'm just like, yeah, just give me the whole binder. And you're like, what, the, the whole thing? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, all right. Dude, I came to game. It's yours, man. 
Well, it was just like, I, I don't know if it was like a power play on my end or whatever, or if it was just like your binder sucked or I'm something. Gonna le- I'm going to lean towards the latter. I think my binder probably sucked. Okay. Yeah, that might have been. I'm just like, ooh, this is this is still like cutting it close or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know what I gave you. Like maybe I gave you the wake deck or something. I have no idea. I don't know either. I, could, I couldn't even hope to guess what was like the PTQ or side event. Probably wasn't even PTQ, just what side event I was playing in. I oh, yeah. Know. It was you know, for an iPod or some shit. Yeah, maybe no not clue. in 2002, but... <laughs> Dude, I, I, a CD player. Yeah, yeah, dude. A Walkman. Dude, I love I love those iPod events. I miss them. I miss them. I, I like thinking of the tournaments that we used to play in, like the iPod events or uh goodness. Was the duel for duels or something? Yeah, those were awesome. Just thinking about them now, it's just obviously you think about this all the time. It's like if I just would have kept the duels. Because I won one. <laughs> I won one at a yeah. I won one at a GP where you just got like you got I think you just got four of each dual land. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I won one with Dredge at a GP, and like I think it was in Tampa, uh, and I was just like, yeah, I'll just sell them all. Here's my five hundred bucks. Be able to pay for rent at Purdue now. That's great. Yep. Just no, <laughs> no. There is there is an event in in PT Kyoto where uh, Luis was in top eight, obviously. So I borrowed his vintage deck. And Mystic Ramora. Yes. Yeah. So, so I seven zero this tournament with with Luis's like beta power and stuff which at the time like didn't seem that impressive you know it was like ooh beta piece of power it's like a thousand dollars or something right <laughs> sure uh but I, I remember uh you know David Ochoa getting like very very upset because one of his opponents like kept trying to riffle shuffle his deck and he also had like a bunch of beta he stuff he's not like, like that yeah I mean it's, it's messed up right yeah so I, I get it he's like completely in the right to be upset so anyway like I 7-0 I this tournament I get an ancestral recall. It qualifies me for a beta P3K like Italian blackboard fourth edition draft or something, right? And I end up getting a beta Bayou out of that tournament, and I kept it for like two years, but like the price never went up. So eventually, I just sold it for like a hundred bucks. That's just, that's eating good right there. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, hey, whatever. I got I got this nice nice little hundo in my box just whenever I want to cash it in. Now it's like I don't know, a million dollars. Well, that's definitely that's definitely how we met, quote unquote. Uh, but yeah, couldn't couldn't attempt to put the pieces together at all. Yeah, details are fuzzy, right? But all right, beta bio. I'm looking this up. Oh God, why are you doing this to yourself? I'm going to your list of cards you want to talk about since you've already knocked off Blazing Root Wall. Ooh, Braids is on this list. Uh, okay, it's like six thousand dollars now. So like when it, when it hit like a thousand dollars, I definitely would have sold it then. Yeah, of course, it's, it's, of course. It's it's not like I would ever cash this thing out for six. It's like it's like the people. It's so I was having this conversation with mutual friend uh, Joe Gagliardi, Joey Bags, right? And he was he was lamenting the fact that he was considering buying into Bitcoin like four years ago, and then like he did, and then like it went up a little bit, and he sold it and bought a pizza. <laughs> and yes. so we were having that conversation he was just like i sold my bitcoin for like a pizza and i'm like yeah but like dude it would have gotten to like a thousand bucks you probably would have dipped in he's like 100 percent. i'm like so what are you even beating yourself up over was the pizza good he's like yeah, it's good enough i'm like okay like you weren't just gonna sit there and just hold it because like you know like because he knows who he is as a person and it's like the same thing it's like the buy, the, the value would have got like a thousand bucks and you're like dope you know gonna gonna like move on from that and all of a sudden it's like eh you know six thousand bucks but you weren't gonna keep it that long no, not a chance. So you can't beat yourself up over it, which I'm not saying you're doing, but you know, it's easy to say like, if I just would have held forever, which is what I do now. 
Well, now now we do it out of laziness, right? I mean, partially. I just I just whenever a new set comes out, I just buy a couple boxes. I throw in my closet. Oh, I didn't know that. That's all. That's wild. Every time a new set comes out, I'm just like two or three boxes. Bang, closet. Don't even look at it. And then maybe it'll go up. Maybe it'll go down. I don't care. But I think it's just a smart thing to do. That's not even like I'm a, a hashtag MTG finance. Just why not? Yeah, I don't know. Stocks or something. Yeah, I mean, at, at worst case, worst comes to worst, like. If it just bottoms out or something and it isn't worth anything, I don't know. I have a couple of friends over and draft. Yeah. That's your worst case scenario. You get to open the packs and have some fun with them and relive some memories. And the best case scenario is like, yo, this box is worth like $400 now. It's like, All right, sure. I guess I'll get rid of it. Yeah, I have uh, some Battle Bond that I bought pre-pandemic that I wanted to do with some people and it just you know never came to fruition, whatever. Uh, but I still have those. I am excited to do like some Time Spiral remastered with some people at some point. I don't actually have those boxes, but I'll acquire them. And then uh, I was drafting MH2 today, and th that's actually been pretty fun. So there you go. Why is Braids on this list? Uh, I won my first individual PTQ with Braids. All right. And uh, my, my first Pro Tour was a Team Pro Tour. And we we made day two and then it was team rochester draft and it did not go well uh <laughs> i i remember a very vivid moment against this is this is a story where like i don't know if patrick remembers it but he will definitely remember it if i bring it up okay okay uh my teammate t-bulge tried to pass a mutilate through patrick's team because he didn't realize which direction the pack was going <laughs> So it's like, I'm I'm A, he's C, we're both in black, he opens Mutilate, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, not bad, right? Uh, and then he's like, you know, you can you, you can point, but you can't communicate. So he's like pointing at some other card, and uh, me and our third Kenbrel are just like, you know, trying to get him to take the Mutilate, because the pack's going that way. But like, we don't know why he wants to take this green card and pass this Mutilate. Like, we just don't understand. But he... We eventually figure out that he thinks that I need the Mutilate more, which is correct. I do need it more. My deck is horrible. But at the same time, dude, it's not going to get to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break getting, it to you. You're not getting the Mutilate. Uh, so like with milliseconds on the clock, he figured it out and was just like, you could tell, you know, the moment of realization and like the shock and the embarrassment and him just like trying to paw at the card and grab it as, as quickly as he can. Uh but yeah, Patrick, uh, Eugene, and Horvath just watched all of that unfold like <laughs> stoically. Uh, but definitely, definitely were like laughing at us, you know. Like uh, so anyway, kids. So anyway, the the team Raj portion did not go well. We went we went over. So then playing in this block constructed PTQ on Sunday, and uh, get to the finals against uh, Osamu Fujita who is uh, Suyushi Fujita's brother. Okay. Or a cousin or something. They're related. And I remember, like, you know, I, I just played my first Pro Tour. This is for the next Pro Tour. Like, I would like to start playing in these events. And so I want the slot. So I'm trying to figure out how I can arrange a split with this Japanese person who doesn't speak a, a lick of English. So I'm trying to figure out whether or not, if he wins, he'll actually go to the Pro Tour, which is... In hindsight, very stupid considering he's at this pro tour in Boston, <laughs> right? Sure. But but the way that I communicated this was by ripping a piece of paper off my life pad and on the back of the piece of paper drawing an airplane with a question mark. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Very artistic. Yeah, yeah. So he's just like, 
basically like, yes, I'm going to go. And I was like, OK, uh, do you want to like split the money? You know, like and I draw like 250 with an arrow to him and a 250 with an arrow to me. He's like, yeah, sure. So I split with this person who like, you know, I don't know at all. Right. Like if he if, if he wins, why would he ever pay me? Right. Like he'll probably just never see me again. But yeah. whatever. It's, it's what I did. I just I trust, you know. Uh, so I, I play my very bad blue black braids deck against his mono black control deck, barely beat him. And, uh, you know, like I, I like these style of decks, like these kind of like mid rangey creature decks where against the control decks, like you're a little bit disruptive trying to go under them. But if the game goes long, you just absolutely get crushed. It's like, uh, you know, how mu- I know you played a bunch of solar flare. Like how much did you play against like the white black decks in that era? What were the white black decks of that era? It was like Isamaru, Dark Confidant, Castigate. Um, but they're like super small ball. You know, they're they're just like attacking you for two over and over. I don't but remember like, a ton. I don't remember a ton of it. I imagine I beat up on them a lot. Yeah, because you, you're like a seventy thirty favorite. Yeah, you know. But like, I loved playing that matchup from the white black side because it's just it's difficult, but it's very intricate and and fun for me. And like, it, it basically all stemmed from like this Braids BTQ. Well, I was a Braids fan a lot when I was growing up. Um, I remember uh, when it was standard legal and what was the white black version called? It was called like Noir. Noir. I think that's what it was called. I don't think there was ever an actual legitimate Braids deck in standard. So I have a recollection of, well, okay, here's what I'll say. During that time at regionals in Ohio, there was like, you could play Black, you could play black white braids, you could play black red braids, you could play black green braids. I don't think you could play black blue braids. Because they you got the you got the ability to splash off of the tainted lands from torment. Yep. You had shambling swarm. Um I think you had Vindicate in white black. And like you played braids and then Tuco Shade and whatever, right? So and like I can't remember what the red version gave you. The white version gave you like red red was just bad. Yeah, I think it was bad. I mean, for what it's worth, I think all of these decks were bad. Yeah. But like these were playable and I remember reading about them. I, and I very, I have a very strong recollection of the term Noir, N-O-I-R, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, um, as being the name. That's, for the, that's close. Okay, yeah. for the for the Black White Braid stack. And so I really like this deck a lot. Didn't win anything with it, obviously. Um, but I do have a Braid story from Grand Prix Cleveland. Does it involve you getting a match loss? Not me. Okay, nice. <laughs> all right, let's go. Not me. So day two, I oversleep round one. Um, and so the story very quickly is I make day, I make day two of this GP in my hometown GP when I'm 16. Uh, I stay there until like two or three in the morning um, because there was a side event to play afterward. And I just wanted to keep gaming because I'm 16. I love playing magic, right? Yep. So then Joey Bags drives me home um, and I get home at like two in the morning or something. And then I go to sleep. And I think I put like a, I set my alarm in my room and I think I set it wrong. Like, you know, set it for PM, not AM or something. Right. Yeah. Mom dude, I, in, I still do that. Yeah. Mom, mom, <laughs> mom comes in my room and she's like, Hey, said, um, your friend Adam's on the phone. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, he says you're supposed to be at this tournament. And I wake up and I'm like, Holy shit. And I, and I like run out of bed and my dad's like, what's going on? I'm like, I, I made day two of the tournament. I'm supposed to be there right now. Like it's already starting. And my dad's like, my mom's name is Faye. He says, Faye, I'll be back in 10 minutes. Now, the tournament site is like 15 minutes away. Yeah. Okay. We made it. I like like how he's not even going to drive slow on the way back. We made it there in eight. 
because my dad knew how important magic was to me. And he was just speeding down the back roads of the city I grew up in because there's like a pretty straight shot to the IX Center. We got there in like eight, eight or nine minutes. My dad's like, good luck. Get in there. I'm like, geez, OK, that's really nice. Right. Um, so I lose. So I'm automatically dead. Um, like I, I lose the first round just because I'm not there, but they don't unreg me from the tournament. So I'm still in. Right. So next round, I'm playing my horrible red green wild mongrel browbeat deck. I got someone playing black green braids, um, Genesis, phantom centaur stuff. Also not a deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm locked. I'm braids locked. But back in 02, you miss your braids trigger. Well, that's a game loss. So my opponent has me full blown. No. What was it was it just a game loss? Yes. And it was, was not like, a ma- it, was it was not, not a match, match loss. loss. It was a game okay. loss. At that tournament they announced during the player meeting that it like the braids rules for this tournament or if you miss your braids trigger even if it's your own braids it you get a game loss or something like that, okay? And I remember this because I'm braids locked and my opponent just forgets to sack of braids and you know I'm 16 I just call a judge. And this isn't like 22-year-old me where it's like crossing my fingers this is my out. This is 16-year-old me that's just like, I think you missed your braids trigger. And my opponent's like, damn it. And he's really mad, okay? So I call the judge and I'm like, my opponent had me like doing, like had me Genesis lock, but like they didn't sack for the braids. And the guy's like, yeah, I didn't sack. And the judge's like, it's a game loss. And the guy's like, all right. And he's like super mad. And he just signs the slip 2-1 in my favor. Except for it was game two and I was down a game. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it was a match loss. Yeah. So he signed it 2-1 in my favor. And then his friends are like, why did you forget? And then like, so now they're having the conversation of like them yelling at each other and walking away. And I'm like 16 grabbing the slip. And I'm like, hey, I think it was game two. But like, they're screaming at each other. And I'm just like, I don't really know what to do. But I was it maybe it was game three. I'm not really sure. And I just take the slip up and just put it in the thing. So I was pretty sure it was game two. But like I couldn't interject because the guy was so mad at his friends. They're screaming at each other. Yeah, I mean, it's a little late at that point, right? Yeah, I just like, didn't know what to do. I was just like, I didn't expect to win, you know, because I wasn't calling the judge out of like, hey, I get a game, like you get a game while she loses the match now. It's just like, yeah, you're hey, just like, something, r- something's wrong. How do we fix this? Yeah, I'm a child. Rule, the, you guys said at the tournament, like at the beginning of the tournament, these were the rules. And the guy was so mad. Yeah, he's, he's gone. So uh, I hope that person still is enjoying playing Magic somewhere. But that's my braid story. And I'm. I'm glad it's back in Modern Horizons 2, even if I think it's completely outmoded for the format. I think I think Braids without the rest of the set would be a tight addition to Modern, but now after like seeing some of the games, I'm just like, yeah, Braids is it's not even close. I don't think it's anything. Which is sad. It's sad. Uh another card that is is pretty similar is Upheaval. And I like this card a lot, probably too much. Uh the Second draft in the format I did, I pack one, pick one, and upheaval. Was pretty pleased with myself. Immediately got past the second upheaval. <laughs> Somehow, okay, so... <laughs> you don't want two in your deck, right? Oh, I took it. I took it. Okay, okay. I was like... I So I know the format's like kind of fast, kind of powerful or whatever, and... I think that's a reason to just, you know, make sure you have it on turn seven or eight. It's like, oh, maybe you want the second one because like the games aren't going to go long a lot of the time. Right. Yeah. But then it's also like, well, maybe I'm just dead on turn five and I'm going to have this stupid six meta card in my hand. Right. But I was like, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to turn down basically always having access to people. So I I selected it very happily. 
uh, put in my deck, won the draft. It was great. All right, all right. I was thinking, like, you know, you definitely want one of people in your deck. I'm not sure if you want two or not, um, but okay. Yeah, it, it's, you wanted two. It's messed up. To, I, I don't know if it was right, but, like, it, it's messed up because also in the pack was the tireless tracker that makes treasures, which is obviously very good without people. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I was I was conflicted, but, you know, Moto only gives me a minute, and I wasn't going to turn down a second upheaval, so. Totally understandable. Yeah, man. Uh this card is how I killed like the majority of people for two years. So I, I hope that at some point I can build an upheaval deck in modern, but it's also very strange. Cause it's like, well, if you have eight lanes in play, you're supposed to be like, you know, valicutting your opponent or something. So <laughs> I want, I want to believe this card isn't outmoded because I like upheaval as a card. Um, and it's, it's definitely, it has a reputation amongst players that have been playing as long as you and I have because of psychotog, right? And then initial cubes where upheaval was the card to take because the cubes all had too much fast mana. Yeah, people didn't know it, though. Yeah. So, like, if someone passed you an upheaval, you just knew you were cubing against, like, a dummy. But now it's just kind of like upheaval well, okay, so, fine. So what did, what did someone take over the upheaval in the, the Modern Horizons draft, right? It's the same thing. It's like, yeah, maybe the format's fast, but, like, the card's still busted. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't expect it to have an impact on modern. I would like it if it did. I think that would be cool for the format if it did have a, if it did have an impact. I just you know I don't think there's enough fast mana. Um, I don't even. I mean, it's weird because I don't even know what an upheaval deck looks like in modern. I mean, it's it's probably like it, it's definitely not psychotog like Drago and then upheaval someone right. Like that's that's completely out of bounds. It's yeah. it's probably very similar to Amulet except you have upheavals instead of primeval titans, which is just bad. Yeah, it's just worse. Yeah. The thing, so, that, the thing that's disappointing, uh, to cut you off really quickly, is I, I just, I, I, I feel bad for people in some respects, like, because, you know, we're old, so the newer generation, they're never going to have the, the dread of playing against, like, a blue-black player who has, like, 10 lands or 12 lands in play, and they're just like, all right, set six lands aside, cast up evil. You know, and it's just like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> I, I just remember that like psychotog mirrors where it's just like you know playing like this really long game and it's just like someone's just like all right i think i'm gonna go for it all right yeah. you know i got all this mana tap all my mana i'm floating blue 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 black black blue i'll cast up evil and it's like all right let's go you and me are at war right now yeah man <laughs> never gonna happen it is, it's very sad uh i don't know i'm, I'm sure that there's like a lot of combinations of cards that you could have like post upheaval to be dope in modern, but just getting there is uh, a bit of a stretch. Yeah. You know? I, I already feel like braids is, is probably out of bounds <laughs> for this. And if, if that's the case and upheaval certainly is, which is, sad. I would agree. Patriots bidding, huh? Yeah. What do you know about this card? Uh, outside of goblin bidding, which uh, I lost to at my local store every week. Uh, because even though people see me as a goblins player, uh, which I find to be rather humorous because one, I didn't win anything with goblins <laughs> ever. <laughs> and two, I spent the majority of my career losing to goblins. Uh, the only memories I have of Patriarch's bidding is uh, Ryan Case at, at Ground Zero Comics resolving Patriarch's bidding and me getting extremely mad every time because I would die immediately. Yeah. That is my memory of that card. Uh, dude, I play goblins a lot. I was, you know, like when Legacy first started, and it was like, uh, I don't know, Canadian Threshold or whatever the hell you want to call it, and goblins, like those were the only two decks. I guess like 
blue white land still was a deck too kind of like those were the only decks in the format like i did a lot of work on like that original goblins deck, and i played i played bidding before it my story is uh basically gp atlanta uh during dragon con oh my gosh we haven't gotten to this story we haven't gotten to that event on the receivables yet and i am so excited to get to it yeah i mean you 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 mentioned it briefly right like i, I think marco did win that tournament didn't he you guys said no, that's lindy won. Did he actually win? I'm pretty sure it was Lindy. I think Patrick got that right. Lindy beat Marco in the finals. I'm checking. No, I thought Marco beat Lindy, but... So GP Atlanta, probably 2002? I think it's 2002. If I was right and I let Patrick correct me, I'm going to be so mad. Because this brain, this brain just remembers things it should not remember. Yeah, Marco won. I knew it! Yeah. Damn it! No, because... So his, his wake deck had... Uh, two upheavals and brush hoppers in the sideboard. Huh. I'm never letting him correct me again. My, his, it, I just remember everything. His deck was dope. I so this tournament was weird, where I was playing a lot of Magic Online, but Eighth uh, Edition just came in. I think it was like Eighth came in and Seventh left, so like no more counter spell. You got Mana Leak instead. And it made like wake worse. It made psychotog worse, like all this stuff. And I remember the Friday before the GP testing a bunch, which is just like, you know, jamming games and not really learning anything. And didn't really know what to play. Uh, was rooming with, I believe, Mike Crum, but definitely Gadiel Slifer, right? Okay. And Gadiel wanted to play Goblin Bidding. And I was like, we lost something. It was like you lost Matron or whatever, right? Okay. Which is like a pretty big deal, uh, just as far as like consistency for the deck and everything. But he was like, "No, nah, it's it's still good." And just like that was one of the things that Gadiel just excelled at was like his bullshit meter, you know. <laughs> one you're just one of many things. Yeah, obviously it was like a ton of things, right? But like that was the one thing where, you know, we're having a conversation and he's just like, you know, no, nah, I'm putting my foot down. And I'm just like, oh, well, you're probably right then. You know, I, I didn't realize that until like much much later, yeah. but. Yep. Anyway, so we decided that we're going to play this deck and I'm like working on my deck list. And it was one of those things where it's like, well, you know, we we added four cards and, and we cut three. And, you know, I'm still going over like the specifics and the cyber plans and all this stuff. And he's just like, I don't care. Just give me the deck list and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll register the same thing you do. So uh, I have I have two buys. I also remember a random story from this event. Uh, Pegleg McGee, Mike McGee. No one knows who that is. No idea. Yeah. Uh, renounced his buys because he wanted an easier round one matchup because he just needed to like one O drop to qualify for the PT on rating. Yeah, I think I remember that actually. Yeah. And I was like, damn, you can do that. I didn't know that you could just renounce your buys. That's dope. So just just a genius, right? So he one O drops the tournament. He like flies to Atlanta, one O drops the tournament, and then is just chilling the rest of the weekend. Like, can't play in anything because he's sitting on his rating, right? Well, I'm <laughs> He had, there's some stories about him over the course of that weekend that like my, my, I, Zagner, yeah. yeah, Zagner taking his leg. Yep. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I sit, I sit down for round three and I, I pile shuffle my deck and it comes out 61 and um, I'm like, uh Oh, you know, I like check my sideboard. Okay. It's 15. I'll like go through my deck and make sure that I don't have like four of a card. I'm supposed to have three of or something. I like pile shuffle again, 61 again. And then I'm going through the deck list in my head. And I'm counting it. And I'm just like, I registered 61. 
Uh, and my opponent, you know, cause I'm taking like five minutes to submit or whatever, just like, what the hell is wrong with you? You know, <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, sorry, don't, don't mind me. I'm just, I'm working out something here. Right. Uh, so finish my round, start walking to like, go apologize to Gadiel. He, he just like beelines towards me and he's like, you're an idiot. That's just the first thing he said to me. <laughs> so yeah, we, we played a uh, 61 card goblin bidding. Dude. Nice. Really yeah, good. dude, I, this, this turn was gas. I started 8-0. Uh, so 8-0 day one, lost to Lindy first round of day two. Just basically got my ass kicked on day two. And uh, like Zvi had Burning Wishes in his bidding deck, which I mentioned the consistency issue. And I was like, yeah, maybe that's a pretty good idea. And then uh, Kai, to fix that issue, just had like four Buried Alives in his sideboard. And like a lot of people would be like, well, you have to cut the the biddings against the goblin mirror, right? Because they might have drawn like more sharpshooters or like relevant goblins than you. And Kai was like, nah, I keep them in. I just play buried alive and I play bidding. They die because you get like war chief and two sharpshooters or something. <laughs> and guy, I'm just like, this guy's smarter than everyone. Yeah. And I'm just like, damn, you know, like these guys, these guys are smart. Right. Uh, and then like one of the decks that I was testing on the Friday before the tournament was wake. And I'm just like, you know, has this problem, this problem, this problem. And like Marco just fixed all the problems with his deck too. And I'm just like, holy shit. Dude, but I, but I, I, I don't have anything else to say specifically. Excuse me on uh, on on patriarch bidding or goblin bidding. I just I'm thinking of that event. PT, uh, excuse me, GP Atlanta 2003, and what it during got, during Dragon Con. Yes, what it took for me to even be able to go to that event, which is um, I won a Grand Prix trial for it, and I had to, and I actually did this. And my mom's never going to know because she's never going to listen to this podcast. I created a hello, Faye. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I created a fake letter from the DCI. Okay. On my computer, I made a fake letter from the DCI or Wizards of the Coast, one of the two. I, I can actually see it now taking the Wizards of the Coast logo from their website and putting it onto the Word document that I made. And then I put it. <laughs> I can't believe I did this, but I totally can. I put it in an envelope and then put it in the mailbox with the mail. And my parents opened it up and they said, yeah, no, no stamp. No, 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 no. Open it up, you know, and it's just like, oh, what's this? And it's like, oh, I don't know. Let's take a look. And it's just like, dear Cedric, we need to know if you're going to use your three buys for Grand Prix Atlanta so we can prepare appropriately for the attendance of the tournament or something along those lines. Yeah. That was the big plan between me and Kyle Bodie of Driveline Baseball fame now because he also won a trial for that. So we were going to go together. And, and my parents weren't going to let me go. And he was like, let's, you know, let's try this. So, you know, craft this whole thing. And my parents were like, well, I guess you can go, you know, but like, who are you going to go with? Whatever. And so Kyle had to come over to my house and tell my parents, like, he's going to take care of me, all this other stuff. And then we go. And we stayed at an airport. We stayed at a hotel by the airport. Probably far. Which right? is kind of far. Yeah. Yeah. Atlanta airport is like not close to anything. Yeah. It's kind of far from downtown Atlanta. Not like crazy, but far enough. And that was the first time where I was truly exposed to like being in an event and just seeing like, yes, Zajner take peg legs leg. And some people were playing. I don't know if you remember this, a game called Belt. Yeah. Gabe and Osip. You remember Belt? And, and Ant and <laughs> yeah. Antonino. Yeah. Belt. That was a game. And I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. There were like 10 people that should have just gotten banned from the DCI in that event. Can I you, don't know why it didn't happen. So we're not going to go over the details of the game Belt, but I'm just going to leave that up to the listener's imagination. Can you imagine if someone played Belt at SCG Worcester? 
The event's over. Everyone would, go home. I would assume that like they're very heavily intoxicated. Yeah. And in in, in Zadger's case, like he might have been, like was likely intoxicated on something, right? But like Gabe, Osip, Ant, like no, they were they were just stone sober, and I know that for a fact. Just kids. Yeah. Just it, I don't even remember everything that happened at that event. I know that I personally went 03. Um, I played a blue-black braids deck that was horrific because it couldn't kill the opponent. Even once you got the braids locked, they could break out of it because our clock was Shadow Mage Infiltrator and like some other two-mana 1-1, one, one, a Mesmeric Fiend, right? So yep. you just couldn't kill anyone. There were multiple times where I had people braid locked and I had to sack my board away, basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, just a wild time. A, a wild time. Magic tournaments are not a... I don't know what it's like for the younger generation now because, you know, I don't run in those circles at all, but my goodness, were they wild when we were coming up. I remember, like, getting into the con area and, you know, just, like, walking around for a little bit, and I don't know, it was mostly, like, Star Wars and Star Trek stuff, you know, which was, like, not really my jam as far as, like, you know, what people were cosplaying and stuff like that. And, you know, like, I was I was definitely, like, into comics and, and things like that, but I didn't see, like, a whole lot of that. It just, like, wasn't wasn't in vogue or whatever. Uh, around that time for people to cosplay that stuff so i'm just like oh these are like you know not really my people or whatever uh so i'm just like walking around and i'm just like yeah i'm I'm not not really feeling this you know like me and these people like don't like the same stuff right and then a dude uh dressed as a klingon who was like way taller than me uh and like i was you know kind of tall i was probably like 5 10 or something around that time and just like smashed into me and then like growled like got in my face and growled at me oh boy when i'm just like a literal child and i'm just like yeah fuck this like cons are stupid i hate cons like i'm never going to another con again uh yeah it was, it was an interesting experience i'm glad i went i saw some things i couldn't unsee and i'm glad that happened that's that's the only dragon con i've been to same yeah probably only one i'll ever be at not my scene. I don't, I don't know. So like now I'd be down. Now I now I think it would be dope because no, I, I hate cons. Ah, okay. Too All many right. people. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, I have to spend half the time in the hotel room or whatever, but yeah, I'd rather just stay at home. Like GPs and stuff like that doesn't really bother me. Like I've got like my own little corner and stuff uh, and like magic tournaments. I'm just I don't want to say I'm left alone and it doesn't really bother me if people say hi and stuff, but like just a con like a like a comic con or like a pack or something it's just like overflowing with people it's like ah i'm good nah they're cool i like them now yeah no maybe maybe my opinion will change but for now and you know i haven't been amongst people in you know 14 months so maybe i'll be dying to see people now and just let's just live while we're allowed to live uh, because we couldn't live for the past 14 months so maybe maybe my opinion will change yeah all right tell me about imperial recruiter all right happily um Aluren, there was a time in, pretty sure it was 2010, pretty sure 2010, um, I was, you know, playing a lot of Magic Online, broke, uh, playing Magic Online was actually just my job at the time, and so uh, I had finished college, would not use the word graduate, because didn't do that, so I just say I finished college, because I was- You're close, man. I was all set. Close is not bad. Uh, and I was just living, uh, I was still living in my apartment, living on my lease in Purdue. And so I decided I was just going to play magic for a living. Uh, let me tell you, not the most profitable thing to do, but you spend your time however you want to there, kids. Yeah, I did it. Good for you. Good for you. I did it too. Barely got by. Um, 
And uh, yeah, at some point there was a Legacy GP coming up in Columbus and I decided to start getting ready for it. And I was playing Lurin. I was borrowing cards, I remember, from Josh Claydor. And, uh, you know, just, I won like back-to-back premiere events on Magic Online with the same deck list, which is a big deal back then. It's like nothing now, but back then, because there weren't a lot of P's or anything, like if you, want a, if you want a D or a P, but more importantly a P, it was like, holy crap, let me take a look at your deck, all this other stuff, right? So I went back-to-back P's with a learn, and I was smashing, like, in Q's with a learn. I'm like, okay, like, got the deck, broke the format. Bunch of people are just coming to me and being like, what about this, what about this target? How do you go off? How do you go around all this stuff? I had all the answers, right? And so now, get to Columbus, and everyone's just like, yo, can you find Imperial Recruiters or anything? I'm like, I've got my four. I don't, I don't know how to get any more. So now there's this search for Imperial Recruiters and Dreamstalkers and all the cards to go off, right? I go 03, 06 <laughs> so fast in this tournament and it's funny too because a lot of the stories i tell are me going 0306 so it's a wonder how i've won any matches of magic at all and how i'm respected as being anything resembling a good competitive magic player because so many of my stories are just like i was doing really good leading up into it and then i didn't deal point of damage the whole weekend um but i go 0306 in this tournament and then i also have people coming up to me and being like how the hell do you win with this deck yeah. i can't ever i don't i don't win ever you know i'm just like I don't know, man, those peas, I beat a bunch of really good people and I went back to back. Like, we can't argue those results. They're right there. And everyone's like, I know, maybe you're just getting really lucky. And I'm like, I don't think so. You know, like, I think my neck is really good. And uh, yeah, did horrible. And Imperial Recruiter is a card that uh, I don't really have much interest in ever partnering up with again. So I'm not sure why I thought this was a good idea, but I also played Aluren in this tournament. And I day two'd. And I think I was doing okay in day two until I made like a very, very big mistake where I was supposed to like flashback a therapy to take uh, someone's swords to plowshares and then Lawan them when they're playing Merfolk. Mm, Lawan, nice. And I, and I, I just like Lawan them and then was like, oh no. They just, <laughs> they just plowed it and I died. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, that was against Donnie Peck. I remember that. And then just like the wheels kind of fell off from there. But yeah, the deck was real bad. Uh, it was was just one of those things where it's like, I don't know. They're like really worried about the combo. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll recruiter for recruiter, I guess. (laughs) Just like go to town. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was about it. That was all I was trying to do. It was horrible. Deck people with one ones and two twos. The deck was horrible. It was not great. It was definitely not the most powerful legacy deck I've ever played in my life. No. So, okay, also, backtracking, uh, Braid Story, right? So this, I, I win this PTQ, and I get to play in uh, Pro Tour Houston, which is extended. This is like the YMG goes 1-2-3 tournament, right? Okay. It, and they posted all the deck lists, and I remember going back and looking at all the deck lists after the tournament, and I had... I decided that I had the third worst deck in the entire tournament. It was, <laughs> I played, I played a Lurin. Uh, so, you know, like Todd Anderson swears off like Ornithopter, like he's never going to register Ornithopter in a tournament again or whatever. It's like, I'm, I'm like that with the Lurin. Yeah. I'll probably never do it again. There's like a little alert to it. Cause you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not even a one card combo. You know, it's something you can't, it's something you can play on turn two. I remember our deck was built that had like the Havenwood, battlegrounds i think it's called yeah city of traders so it's like yo we could just learn on turn two that imperial recruiter they're dead and it's like yeah but that doesn't ever happen yeah force days wait like (laughs) literally any card yeah Yeah, any discard spell any anything okay cool but you know dream big yeah uh, you could 
And it's like, yeah, if you if you do that, though, and you get dazed, you just lose. Like, your lands just don't exist anymore. You, like, Armageddon yourself to, to try and do this. And it's like, ugh. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna daze that. That's you know the second most registered card in the tournament. Cool. Yep, nice. <laughs> cool. Uh no more learn. All right, don't let me. It it looks good now too, because it's like, oh, you get like baleful strix and charless eight. It's like a, a fake charless sultai deck or what no, don't do it. Just don't put a learn. Just, just don't play it. It's fine. Solitary confinement. Uh this this card like kind of sucks, right? Like if there are decks that exist in modern that can confinement lock you that doesn't seem very fun so i'm not sure why this card is in the set except for like there's you know vindicate vanishing verse there are more things that like kill enchantments that you're not embarrassed to play main deck so maybe that's okay but i still think it's potentially messed up nah so i hate this so the first the first handful of cards we talked about recruiter bidding upheaval whatever they're all fine to me you know like i understand that solitary confinement comes with a cost in deck building but the experience of being confinement locked is not fun. There's a lot of ways to confinement lock people. I understand that there are ways to blow up the confinement. There's no arguing that. But um, yeah, being confinement locked is like not fun at all. It's it's like a it's like being nine lives locked. Uh, with, yeah. Uh, with it's the same thing, except it's easier. Yeah. It's a, it, and it's just it's not fun. You know, like I, in the I I played some event. I, I think it was the I think it was like the last PT I played in online. And I got nine lives. I got nine lives locked when I was playing Saltai. I was like, "Cool, this is cool." I mean, I guess it's cool because the game's over now. But it's just kind of like, "This is stupid." I just can't do anything about this, and I lose now, you know. And uh, I, I, I just kind of feel similarly about solitary confinement. I don't really see the upside. Like, if you wanted to go back to Enchantress and stuff, that's fine. Uh, I, I think Enchantress. You know, I, I don't really ever find Enchantress to be particularly good. But like, it's a thing that people like to do, so I, I have no problem with that. But I, I wish that the payoff card was anything but this because I just think the gameplay experience is not very good. And also, there's a lot of different ways you can confinement lock someone that's not involving the Enchantress engine. So there's Loam Cycle lands. Yeah, uh, they're Squee? enduring ideal. Yeah, sure. You know, and probably a bunch of cards I'm not even thinking of. So it's just like, why are we? Why? Why are we bothered doing this? I mean, we can talk about like the Loam Confinement deck that you have me playing Legacy for a while that I used to like, you know, smash everyone in the Swiss with and lose in the top four. But this deck was so bad, by the way. It was quite bad. It was quite bad. It was quite it, bad. It might have been worse than Aluren. But it, looked, it felt good. It was cool. Yeah, you get to do your thing. So this was this was based off of a deck that Nassif built, which was like Mox Diamond, Loam, Cycling Lands. And you're just like, oh, yeah, Lands in Legacy. I've heard of that deck. No. Instead of <laughs> being a Lands Prison deck, instead you just play Intuition and Confinement when you could just play like Tabernacle and shit. Do you remember it, how you, just, it was remember nonsensical. How you do you remember how you won? There's like a Nantuko monastery. That's correct. One. Yeah. What so, else do you need? So you this this is this is one of many examples of me just, you know, trusting you blindly and mostly mostly for good. But because like I did top eight like four or five tournaments with this deck. So it's not like the No, deck you was did. Fun. You did. I so this like this is like Grand Prix Philly, right? I played Affinity and then I don't know if you played that in the main event or not, but I know that you were like cutting up side events with it. Uh, what Grand Prix Philly is this? Uh, the the first Legacy GP. Yeah, I was banned then. <laughs> I swear to God, you were there. I was there. Okay, I played well, the side you... events that were unsanctioned. Okay, nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. So, um, uh, no. So basically, the, the way this deck, if memory serves, like the cards that were in this deck were like Loam Confinement swords uh brainstorm force 
Intuition. Intuition. Uh, and then like a whole lot of lands, right? So basically yep. you just confinement loam lock them. Then you get your monastery, you get your monastery, uh, uh, Nantuko monastery. Nantuko monastery. Thank you. You, you, you find a way to threshold and you just give them beat down. So here's the problem. There were, there were multiple one. If someone swords your monastery, you were in a whole lot of trouble. Uh, yeah. Can't, can't let that happen. Yeah. You can't let that happen. So you got to counter that. Uh, well, like, so they, have, they have to know, you know, like they yes. have to not, you know, I don't know. Yeah, so they had to know that that was a thing, right? So I think you had two monasteries in the deck. Um, but, like, you know, if someone swords your monastery, you were in a lot of trouble. Um, also, like, Dude, if, go ahead. Two, monas two monasteries does not sound like something I would do. Well, so I'm pretty sure... Oh, wait, this... No, this deck didn't have standstill, I don't think. No way. No way it had standstill. And that means no, I don't think you had nope. factories either. So I think it was just monastery. But um, if you play against goblins, they could just roadblock you for a while and that's actually what ended up happening to me and how i kept losing with this deck in the top four of tournaments and not winning them is i play against goblins and either not have swords for their lackey and die or like i would kind of get the lock established and the people wouldn't concede like they would in the swiss and they were also good and i was just kind of like this is annoying and they're just like yeah i'm just gonna block for a really long time and like figure something out or like and you had to you had to dredge three to upkeep your confinement yeah so off then, of like loam cycling and eventually you just got decked that's correct yeah. So that is my experience with that deck in which, again, I did make like the top eight and top four of a lot of tournaments. But then like when I played against like someone good with goblins, it was just kind of like, hey, I know how your deck works. And I'm just like, that sucks. I can't win. Well, now. well crap. Yeah. So I'm anti-confinement as a reprint. That's my that, that's all I got on that card. Uh, next up, Yavamaya Elder. I got nothing with this. So I don't know why it's here. Uh, I, well, I played a lot of rock, you see. I was I was Psychotog guy for a long time, right? And there was an extended PTQ. Well, there was an extended PTQ on a Sunday. Uh, on the way to this PTQ in Kansas City, me and my friend went to a Grand Prix trial, I believe. That was also extended, and I played I played Psychotog in that event and lost in like top eight or top four to a mirror match or something. Okay, I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, stuff happens. Uh, I'm still gonna play this deck, no big deal. So we get to the PTQ. Uh, there's a Grand Prix in Italy happening that same weekend. And so like day one has just completed and they post like the undefeated decks and they're talking about like the metagame breakdown and stuff like that. And it's just like all like sly and suicide black. Just nightmares for Psychotog. I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. You know, people in Kansas City, they're not going to they're not going to know anything. Right. OK, so I get there, I'm like walking around the tables, everyone's just laying out jackal pups and like Dothy Slayers and stuff, and I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> uh, so my my buddy, Steve McKenna, is just rock guy for life. And I was just like, all right, rock master, like, you know, teach me all that you can in 10 minutes or whatever, and let's try and get a deck together for me. So like, I, I have a lot of the cards, but there, there was some stuff where it was like Onslaught just came out and... I had loaned him my Ravenous Baloths. Like, obviously, you need that card, right? And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll just give you your Baloths back and I'll play Spike Feeders or whatever because, like, no one had them. And I was just like, nah, nah. Like, you know, I, I loaned them to you already. You know, I think that you have a better chance of winning because, like, you actually know this deck. I'll just play, like, Spike Feeder instead. It'll be fine. Uh, so I, I end up uh, <laughs> selling the slot in the finals to match Schmaltz. Hmm, that's annoying. And... Then, like, the next week, there was a PTQ in Wisconsin that I played and top-aided while I was, like, sick with food poisoning. And this, this is where my Ravenous Bailoff got threatened. Do you know this story? <laughs> no. 
Okay, so we'll come back to that. Okay. And then the the third week of this BTQ season, I won the BTQ with with rocks. And then I was just nice. like, I was like rock guy for so long, you know, because I'm just like demolishing everyone. <laughs> uh, the the short version for Yevamai Elder is like in that format, it was like pretty cool. Uh, realistically, people should have been doing like more busted stuff, and this card should not have mattered at all. But it's it's the type of reprint where it's completely outmoded by just like standard cards, you know, this is like tireless tracker, Jade light Ranger. It's just like, come on, dude. Like quarter of crew fix. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like what, what are you doing with the Yavimai elders? It's like, why, why reprint this thing? Because I have fond memories of this card and it, it's the same thing when, when it like it's past you in cube, you know, like 12th or whatever. And you're like, yeah, not a chance in hell you're making my deck. Right. It just makes you feel bad. Uh, yeah, I was I was sick with food poisoning and uh, top eight of this PTQ playing against Monored and my opponent announces Threaten targeting my Ravenous Bailoth. All right. So I go deep into the tank, as deep as I can go. And I like do some math. You know, he's got like a creature and a flunkies. I have like some wall of blossoms, some treetop villages, and I, I, I beautiful mine the shit out of that math. And I was just like, yeah, I can, you know, block survive whatever and then i can clock them in two turns and it's it's golden i'm great right <laughs> uh so then okay. so then we go we go through combat and they sacks my ravenous bailoth and i'm just like oh no because <laughs> <laughs> all my math was like oh yeah and then and then at the end of the turn i get my bailoth back <laughs> okay 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 so so there was like a crowd of people watching this too and People were just like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, you know, so many people at that moment were just like, you are the worst magic player I've ever seen in my life. And then I win the PTQ the next weekend. You know, and they're, they're, everyone is just so mad. They're like, that guy, the Bella threatened guy. It's like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> so I'm going to tell my Hogak story here really quick because it's sort of similar to this. Okay. But I tell you this because one of my favorite, one of my favorite things in magic is like someone thinking for a really long time and like you're sitting there and you're just like, what the hell could they be thinking about? Like, I don't understand. Like, I imagine that person is sitting there, like, they cast the threat and just expecting it to be a three-round, like, dark banishing. And you're just, like, deep in the tank, and they're probably just thinking, what, what's happening? But, like, they're not going to say anything, because they don't want you to, like, they don't want to give away, like, what's going on or anything. So you're just in the tank, and then you just outthink yourself, right? So it's similar in so far as my opponent didn't outthink themselves. They just are in the tank for a while, okay? So this is the Hogak PTQ that I won two years ago with your Hogak deck that I had never played before, Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I never touched that deck either. I, I built it. Yeah. I never played it. So, you know, PTQ in Vancouver, you give me the deck list. I think you combination of you and Gottlieb give me the cards. Me and Emma go up. Emma tells me, basically downloads all the information in my brain in our two-hour drive, and I end up playing the PTQ, right? So round three or four, I'm playing against Jund Midrange, right? I'm playing Hogak. So basically the buy. So on turn three, I play Hogak. My opponent... On his third turn, maybe his fourth turn, I don't remember. But, like, you know, they untap, they draw, and they just go deep. Deep on in the Tankaruski. And I'm just sitting there with, like, my my uh, my Seder Wayfinder and, like, my, my my some sort of zombie grave crawler or something. And, like, a Hogak, right? A pretty full graveyard. My opponent is just really deep in the tank. And I'm just sitting there patiently because, like, I don't know what they could have. It's Jund, and I haven't played any games. Like, so maybe they've got like some Psycho Graveyard hate card or something. I got no idea, right? My opponent is just like, all right. Taps their, man, taps their mana, Maelstrom Pulsar Hogak. 
And I'm like, okay. And I just draw my card face down, remove my graveyard, tap my two creatures, and put it back. And yeah. he goes, oh, boy, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I just go, are we going to keep doing this? Like, <laughs> so, uh, Grand Prix Dallas, when, when I was playing the Counterbalance deck and you, you brought it for the PTQ. Yeah. Uh, so like Neil Neil Reeves playing basically the same deck. This is the counterbalance story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Neil Reeves has since he's divining top and counterbalance, and his opponent has a green black deck with, and I don't know how they fit all of these cards in their deck, but they had they had Phantom Setar, Evil Mori of the Open Fist, Ravenous Bailoth, and I think that there was another four drop too. I think it was a Hunted Wumpus, but then so I told this story on the Receivables. I just started making up four drops. Okay, <laughs> sure. So, so is Neil's opponent casts, you know, Hunted Wumpus, let's say. I don't think that was the card, but it was like Phantom Centaur. And Neil's like, activate Sensei's Divining Top. Opponent's like, okay. Neil's like, resolve counterbalance. Opponent's like, okay. And, you know, flips over Damnation. Counters the four drop. Opponent's like, oh, pass of the turn. Neil's like, all right, end your turn. Sensei's Divining Top. Opponent's like, okay. Neil goes to his turn, draws, plays land, pass the turn. Opponent plays like Phantom Centaur. Neil activates top, <laughs> reveals damnation to counterbalance, and his opponent's just like, oh, another one? <laughs> and it's like, I don't I don't think that, like, this goes on for, like, four turns. Just yes, like, yeah. every turn he plays a four drop, and he's just like, God, how many damnations do you have? And it's like, well, one. Just the, you know, like, just, what? just the one, homie. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily what was going on with your opponent, you know? But it, it's very similar. In my no, it was just funny, because I think my opponent, like, had never played against Hogak before. And so just didn't realize it. just like, I just can't do anything. Right. So it's just really funny. Just like, they go really deep and I'm just like, I don't know, like, am I going to get like blightning or like scavenging ooze? Like that's going to be kind of hard and annoying, like all this other stuff. So like, I'm thinking of all the cards that Jun can have. And then it's just like, all right, just three mana vindicate that. It's like, yeah, nothing, right, nothing. Right, your turn. You didn't do anything. You didn't do. And then I just, yeah, I just drew my card face down. Just put it right back into play. I'm like, I, there's no way I could have a better play than this. Go. And he's like, ah, boy. <laughs> and I was just like, what, what are you thinking about over there, bud? That's all. I, I think the the correct takeaway here is things like counterbalance, Hogak, when they create these sort of play patterns, is probably a problem, you know? Perhaps. Uh you got two more cards on your list here. Queer and Ranger. Yeah. I mean, How do you feel about Queer and Ranger? It's busted. It is busted, right? Yeah. Of course it's busted. Alright, man. I played I played a survival deck. Remember when like you could survival in Vengevine in oh, Legacy? Yeah. Oh yeah. And all the lists were like two Quarian Rangers Wrong. or whatever. Wrong. Super smart me, remembering back to like 1998 extended, like the survival decks all played four Quarian Rangers, and it had just been so long, and like Elves wasn't really a deck. And I was just like, no, I'm pretty sure you just play four. Like I I did zero testing or whatever, but I just remember that this card with mana creatures, whatever, is just, like, so good. You play low land counts, protects you from wasteland. Like, it just it makes, like, two or three mana a turn. Like, how is this not good, right? Not enough, and, conversa not enough conversation around this card right now. Yeah, and to top it off, I had Fauna Shaman in my deck, which Queen Ranger Fauna Shaman makes Fauna Shaman actually work like survival when you're talking about, you know, putting a bunch of Venge Vines in the graveyard. Uh, so I just, like, build this deck, on zero testing, just like complete theory, and I, I lose in the finals to survival here, whatever. And yeah, I don't know. Just like this, this card gets 
reprinted and yeah just no one no one talks about it and like granted we don't have survival we do still have fauna shaman and i had a fauna shaman list in my article this week that's like you know maybe maybe not great or whatever but it's still just like this is a powerful combination and there's still like elves decks out there and and things like that so this card is going to show up no so one thing i've been thinking about a lot recently is you know there's always people that always have like the dice of doomblade argument about a thing which is a horrible way to view things in my opinion but i think one thing that's happening a lot right now is <clears throat> for all the one toughness creatures everyone's like yo lava dart super ubiquitous in the format ran six yeah and it's like those cards are ubiquitous now but we don't know if modern horizons 2 is going to make those cards continue to be ubiquitous like as an example yo, you want a lava dart against that zoo deck you're dead you know like the scion territorial kavu look at my gigantic creatures like that deck looks at lava dart and it's just like what you showed up with this you kidding me? Yeah, get yeah. that garbage out of here. And like, yeah, that, and they still have a bunch of hierarchs in their decks. You know, yeah. it's like, so like, if that deck shows up and shows out and is actually really good, which we have no idea, then like, Lava Dart is horrible and people have to cut it. Or like the, and this is just using the examples of what Devin was playing when before we started recording, not while I'm talking to you. Yeah, of um, course. Like the mono red Hollow One deck that he was playing with, with Asmore and Hollow One and like a bunch of stuff. It's just like, okay, like a lot of those creatures don't have one toughness, one toughness either, and like has Vengevine in it. So I think it's really simple to just go like, oh yeah, like Ragavan, like that card's not very good because Lava Dart exists and Quirin Ranger and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, we have no idea if these prowess decks have just been like pushed to the garbage can now because of all these cards that just got printed. And I think it's totally within reason that those prowess decks are no longer good enough. Um, I was talking to Peace Sully because he's been playing a lot of Izzet Phoenix and he was like, you know, I can, I can put together an Izzet Phoenix article for you. I was like, yeah, obviously I'm interested, but I was like, also, I might not be interested like next week on Tuesday, because if the results from this weekend of modern are just like, yo, no things to Lava Dart, your deck sucks. Yeah. So I might not actually want that article in four days from now, because that deck might be completely obsolete in 72 hours. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, Modern Horizons 2 is a big set and has a lot of playable cards in it, and a lot of the stuff is very powerful. It would not shock me if, like, crappy blue-red creatures, which, you know, is, it's an inherently fair deck, right? Like, if that thing gets outmoded, I would not be surprised. Now, maybe there's a different Lava Dart deck, or maybe Ren and Six is very good, or whatever, but I doubt it, you know? I'm prepared for Lava Dart to start making its way out of the format, not stay in it. That's that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, it's it's more of, like... The decks that Lava Dart would go into are probably not going to be very good versus, Correct. you know, Lava Dart not having any targets or whatever. Yeah, I just, I think that these these prowess decks, like, it made sense that that they were dominating, and I think those, those were those were good decks pre this set. I think that those, and I still think those decks might be fine, but I don't think that's even close to the best thing going on. And again, I don't know if it's a Zoo deck, I don't know if it's a Hollow One deck, I don't know what it looks like, but I think that there's an emphasis in a very real way about creatures in this set um and that doesn't even get into like the whole like hey solitude damn bunch of other cards that like are kind of making creatures a bit worse but they're fighting them on a different axis as opposed to dealing them one damage so i think the queer ranger is going to be overlooked initially and then people are going to find out the hard way that that card is out of control yep last one baby you ready never cast it never will oh come on shardless agent my friend that thing's made you a lot of money First thing you said in Devin's stream was you should cut Charlotte's agent. I was just like, how dare you? First card that's got to go. The first uh, card. 
Card's very good. Maybe, maybe not when you're cascading into lightning helix or whatever. You know, maybe that's not what you want to be doing. But uh, it does add redundancy to a lot of the cascade decks. And uh, I've already seen people complaining about, you know, decks that only cascade into crashing footfalls because now you just get to do it however you want to. You know, if you want to just be like teamer and have clean mana instead of doing like Arden Plea Violent Outburst, like obviously that's kind of a mess, kind of a nightmare. Now you just have like this very clean Charlotte's Agent Violent Outburst deck. You can play As Foretold if you want to. Uh, Fire Ice is cheap interaction that you can't cascade into, so you just get to like function like a normal deck. And that deck looks very good, but even outside of stuff like that, I mean, Charlotte's Agent is a very good card, and I'm, I'm shocked that it's here in a vacuum, but compared to all the other stuff that they printed, just like Solitary Confinement type of stuff, like I'm not surprised. But uh, I don't necessarily like it, despite this being one of my favorite cards of all time. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna MTG finance it up right now. I don't know. Brian buys a lot of cards, so you try to buy footfalls. I mean, you should if you could. It, it already went up a little bit today, but it'll okay. probably go up more. Yeah, this card is a problem. There's enough redundant ways to cascade now that I yeah. think that this card is a problem. Yep. It's the first. It's one of the few cards I was thinking about, and, and also, you know, like it's only for Modern Horizons, blah blah blah. There's not that many of them. You know, I'm not the finance expert around here, but uh, with Charlotte's Agent Outburst and like a million ways to cascade into this thing now, like I don't know, two four four to trample. That's that's in. I mean, that's just ten power. It's just it's just that's just a lot with, with Charlotte's Agent. I mean, that's just that's a lot. I was watching Miriam versus uh, Todd today on versus live, and it was just like okay. Yeah, I was <laughs> watching. I was watching that too. Okay. <laughs> like, this this thing this thing is 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 legit, it's legit now. Uh, so both the the tabletop and MTGO prices have spiked. They were both under a dollar, and then it's just whoop, like you know plus four hundred percent or whatever. Yeah. And I I think it's gonna get worse before it gets better. You know what I mean? Like the decks are gonna get tuned a little bit, and. Uh, more and more people are going to start picking them up and playing them, and people are going to be annoyed for uh, a couple weeks until they figure out something that's actually good against it. But yeah, I was watching like Yama Killer play humans and like played a Sanctum Prelate on zero and got it like Boom Crusher Gianted and then just like lost to a suspended footfalls. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah I mean, no normal mode it will play fine, and then there's just so many ways to cheat it now that it's just there's just no underestimate. Like, there's no way to really describe it that, you know, eight free power, basically spread across two creatures. You're going to die in two turns. Yeah. Maybe it's not hypergenesis. Maybe it's not Tybalt, uh, but the, the free spells, especially when the deck building is so clean and you're just like, yeah, turn three, I always do this thing. You have to stop me or else in, in this case, like making two four fours like that, that's the thing that's going to kill people. Right. Yeah, It's just, uh, this, it's going to be an issue for a little bit. So just, uh, so just buckle up. I guess you could lava dart them. <laughs> uh yeah yeah that'll work yeah soul soul scar mage lava dart let's let's go to work slower slower down a little bit uh any interest in in playing something like that uh i know that you know you're you're more of the person who's like well i'll play goblins after everyone thinks it's unplayable garbage or whatever um but this this could be fun for you for like a stream right what like charlotte's agent yeah well just footfalls no Nah, man. Well, why not? You you identify that it's like a broken thing, and it's like I don't know. All right, it's probably, probably probably pretty fun. I might right? enjoy it a little bit. Like right now, I really just want to cast this, the the Draco and the and the Kavu and and Tribal Flames. 
That's okay. really what I want to do. I, 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 I got enjoyment out of like the five color zoo puzzle. I, I did. Like, remember when I went to Vancouver and played that horrible burning tramissary, uh, like the GP that Raptor one and you top aided with Death Shadow, and I played like Burning Tramissary, Hinterland. It's like Tommy Ashton it. deck. Yeah, I, I, I like uh, I don't I don't know who made it, but like you know Tarkus Command, Reckless Bushwhacker, like yeah. that little zoo deck, like eighteen lands, and I was like, yeah, this is dope, and like it was fine, but ultimately was not good enough. Um, like I don't know, I like zoo strategies. Wild in the coddle, like let's just let's dust them off, let's get to work. Excluding. Losses to teammates, I think we were like 85% in that tournament between asked, five of us. That's the best deck by so much, it was a joke. It was a joke. It was it was a really fun tournament. You should try playing decks like that, like Crashing Footfalls. Well, if I uh, if if I was... Uh, I'm trying to design organized play for Magic the Gathering, not participate in it. So when I participate in playing Magic, I just want to have a little fun. That's all. I think you would have fun. You'd have fun with this the same way like Hogak and people is fun for like a day, right? And then you're just like, all right, never again. All right, that's probably true. Just because Hogaking people was just a, such a joke. Dude, okay, so so Hogak is a two mana eight eight. This is like a three mana ten ten. It's it's very similar. Maelstrom Pulse is a little bit better against yeah, you, but see, not I don't by like, much. I don't like that. Not by much. I don't like that. I don't want to lose both my rhinos. Honestly, I've not seen many Maelstrom Pulses, so you might be in the clear. You haven't played enough. <laughs> I, that, dude, that's definitely true. I was drafting today somehow. I don't know. Getting getting the cards was kind of tough because, you know, not everyone has them. So Yeah, I'm just, you know, like I don't I don't have infinite time. Not saying that you do or anyone does, but like, you know, I just I just put my time other places nowadays. As far like it's different when I just stare at magic cards and magic related things for 10 hours a day, dude. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand completely where you're coming from. I'm just saying, like, if you are going to play for a day or stream for a day, I'm just trying to get you to do the good thing. That's all. You don't have to do exclusively this. You could certainly 1-0 drop a league if you wanted to. You, you know, I would not fault you. You're now like, well, that was fun. Now you're speaking my language. It's a little sh short stream. <laughs> well, no, and then you and then you play Zoo. <laughs> you play Zoo afterward, right? A little 50-minute stream. I'm out of here. All right, so three mana, ten power, or you could pay maybe two mana for your Draco. Yeah, get four power. I didn't even think that Draco card's that good. It's probably better than I think, but... It seems, like, exactly okay. But So, like, two mana, four, four flyer, is that even good? Like, yes, it gives you some additional stuff, but, it you know, Vigilance, Trample, it's like... I mean, I, I don't want to play a Triumph on my Zoo deck. That's the problem. Eh, I, I think it's... It, it's okay when you're when you're playing draco otherwise you probably don't need it all right you know like there's some deck building decisions to be had there you know like because i want to i want to rock and roll with like wild nacoddle and i mean curry is probably outmoded at this point but um, yeah you know or lone lion or some other one drop that i can't think of but i'm gonna try on my zoo deck and it's getting the party started on turn two i'm not uh, i'm not really about that but again maybe i'm wrong i'm probably wrong yeah dude curd ape curd ape lone lion those those are dead yeah, you can play the high orcs you can play Nicodle, even Nicodle might be outmoded completely. Like, is Ragavan better than Nicodle? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It gets better when you have more hierarchs. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it being better. I actually could. How do you feel about Esper Sentinel? Does that card not excite you? That card's dope. That card's it's really like good. it's not really the white card that you gravitate towards. You know, you you don't you don't really get enticed by like soft locking people out with like death and taxes more so than just like brute aggression i feel like no but this isn't a soft lock card 
Like this thing's gonna like I look at this card and I just look at it like I'm probably gonna get to draw at least one card and it's probably gonna be a two-two and more likely a three-three. Like I just look at it as an aggressive white creature that's gonna be really easy to grow because it's a human. Yeah, I just feel like you would rather have Wild Nacoddle than this card. You know what I mean? If I'm playing white, I'd rather have Esper Sentinel, which is a weird thing to say. Like, I'm definitely excited about this card. I think this card is awesome. I, th I think it's awesome, too. It's like top five cards in the set, I think. Yeah, I think it's extremely, extremely good uh, and is another card that's being slept on because there's a lot of cards in this set to be excited about. And, you know, a, a one-man on one-one white creature, that doesn't excite very many people in Magic, uh, but it does excite me. I think the card's great. Yeah, so... Uh... Yamakiller, who I was watching play humans for a little bit, uh, like, you know, built his deck, joined the league, and the, the first question someone asked when he hit, like, submit to join the tournament, they're like, why aren't you playing Esper Sentinel? And he was like, what's that card do? And then just, like, you know, didn't look it up or anything, just, like, kept playing his deck. I'm just like, yeah, I'm off it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Put it in your deck. It, That's it, what it does. It, even if it were not a human, I would want to put it in humans. Yeah, it's super, 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 super good. It's going to cause some serious issues. Yeah. So that might be what I try and do is first and foremost play Esper Sentinel, but I definitely want to play the Cascade decks too. I'm very excited about those. Dude, we're almost two hours deep. Are these people still listening? Are they still are they still loving it? I hope they are. Did I even hit record? I don't, oh, I don't know. Oh no. No, you did. I I did. Oh, okay. oh my god. <laughs> fine, fine, man. Oh we can wrap god. it. Uh, I found I found my sixty I found my sixty one card goblin deck if you want to look at it. Ooh, yes, please. Yes, I do. I have I have ensnaring bridges in my sideboard, which I think were for blue green. I don't know if that's like smart or, or dumb, but bridge was extremely hard for blue green to beat. Yeah, and then uh, so they posted all the the day two deck list, right? Okay. And I saw the deck list of the person who I traveled with, David Monk. I don't know if you ever met David Monk. I don't think I know that name. Uh, I, I mean, I have a million David Monk stories, but he was playing Blue Green Madness, and I remember thinking his deck was like kind of weird at the time. But now, like looking back on it, I'm like, his deck's kind of dope, actually. Where, uh, so like Wake was really big, right? Yeah. And I have a bunch of Flaring Pains in my sideboard, and he was splashing Flaring Pain off like Wooded Foothills, some City of Brasses, and a Cyborg Mountain to like Quiet Spec for. Okay, I'm into it. Yeah, I love I like, the, I love the Quiet Spec packages, so totally into it. All right, I'm, I'm sending you my deck on Twitter. Where? Twitter? Did he have a heaval? Did he have what? Upheaval. He had one main, one board. Yes! Yeah. Very Super. smart. Yeah. This is my list, though. If you want to look at his list, you have to go find it. But it's 61 card goblins. Well, you know what? I'll say this. You are still, to this day, one of the things that I've always admired about your deck building is you played the appropriate amount of lands. So 24 here makes me happy. Could Might have argue, been one short. Could, I was going to say, could argue there's supposed to be a 25th? Or, or actually, what it probably was, was I felt light because I was playing 61 cards. Sure, sure. <laughs> I definitely remember a lot of matches in day two where I'm just like stuck on three lands and I'm like, God damn it. You know, like you're just stuck single spelling against well, red green aggro or something. Very glad to see that you have at least 24 lands and not some chump trying to, trying to, trying to skate on by. I'll just draw a prospector. It'll be fine. Yep. This isn't a bad looking deck. A lot of Sparksmiths. Yeah, Sparksmith was good. I think I think Sparksmith was underplayed at the tournament. A lot of sledders, a lot of sharpshooters. Weird format then though, because there's a lot of goblins, so you had to you had to load up on all that stuff. Yeah, and I mean 
back in the day, I like before eighth edition, I don't think I was playing four sharpshooters, but like once you didn't have matron anymore, you kind of had to. So it kind of, it kind of looks ugly because matron made everything so nice, you know, like playing three siege gangs or whatever. It's like uh, so many. Good looking goblins deck lost to that kind of deck a lot, like a lot. Yeah, it's not bad. I don't, I don't know if my sideboard was like good or not. I'm sure that there were plenty of decks that I played against where I was just like, oh, I don't have any sideboard cards against you, which is probably not great. Whatever. And I'll just say, I'm pro 61. I'm, I'm, I'm not. It. I'm for it. The deck you gave me for states that I won in Washington, you know, like seven years ago, 61 cards. Hmm. Yeah, gave me 61 cards. Was that on purpose? Uh, I don't, I think you just couldn't figure out what to cut and I was too lazy to figure out something to cut. Oh no. And then, uh, yeah, 61, 15. And uh, yeah, one Snapcaster rates on the board. <laughs> What deck was this? Blue oh, the blue-white deck. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> yeah, that that deck was that deck was very medium. That was bad. It was, it was it was really bad. I just remember in the finals, uh like the clinching game, is it a game two or game two? I don't remember. But like I drew the one of Snapcaster, like Snapcaster Moonlight Haunt, and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Why don't we play more of these? Who's to say? You know, who knows? Yeah, this Snapcaster Mage card, that's a cracker jack. I think it was basically like, do I want the fourth negate or like a Snapcaster Mage? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like one one Snapcaster is probably a little bit better. Uh, I remember I was just, you know, uh, just aggressively aggressive of just being like, my card's six, my deck's 61 cards. You guys all suck. Yeah. I don't know. It was like me at States that year was 65 cards. I remember. Thank you for conceding. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Sorry I let you down uh it's okay i'm used to it not necessarily from you but just Aww. you know everyone around me that's so nice to me and no one else yeah any closing thoughts my friends um modern horizons 2 looks fun i'm excited for it um yeah it looks it looks good uh i think this is what this format needed quite a bit and i hope it goes better than, i hope it goes better than the first modern horizons but i don't actually i don't really have that big of a problem with how the first modern horizons went personally me me either. Yeah, it was it was wild, and they tried something, and I don't I don't have a problem with people trying stuff, and you know just being honest with their results, and you know had to ban some cards, but who cares? Um, it's it's exciting. It is exciting. I actually I, this is the first time in a while I've cared about Magic, um, and like what's going on with the new set, and like I, I don't even know if there's anything Strixhaven could have done to actually get me excited, or most sets in a general sense. Like the last time I was actually kind of amped up to play Magic, I would say was like Companion era. Because I thought the companions were cool because I think powerful stuff is cool. So this being a powerful set and turning modern upside down a little bit. Cool. Let's see it happen. Um, I don't think anything else past that, man. Just uh, just living out here in Washington. Um, ready to go. My life for an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> My yeah, life to be on an airplane. That's that's it. You, I don't think you realize until it's taken away. Like I was beyond burnt out on doing coverage and traveling um, to the point where I was probably going to stop doing it. And then, you know, everything happened with the pandemic. And, you know, I was like, this is actually kind of good. You know, I have to stay home for a while. And then like after three months, I was just like, oh my God, I really want to be on an airplane and be paying too much for food in an airport. And I felt that way for the past 14 months. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, just do me a favor. Don't be like one of those people in my stream that it's just like, yo, any word on when the SE tour is coming back? Yeah, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you why I'm listening to yellow card on my personal stream. Why, 
Why would I do that? I know you won't. It's just the thing that has been driving me crazy recently. Dude, I live, I live in Virginia. I feel like if the SCG tour was coming back, I would hear about it. I don't need to ask about it. People just it happens, tweet, it happens. People just tweet at me or DM me on Twitter. And it's like, yo, when do you think the SCG tour is coming back? Oh yeah, I'll tell you and nobody else. Yeah. For sure. Here it comes. Well, s- since you asked, yeah. I'll give you the inside track. Yeah. So that's it for me, man. I'm just, uh, I'm keeping on, keeping on. Got a basketball game or two to watch this evening and life will be what it is. Sign us out. Oh, right. I get to do this? Game. Good luck.